Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What is up, weirdos? It is an exciting episode for me because it's a doctor, not real doctor. Oh, spoiler! I found out he's not a real doctor. He's not! Uh, but Jonathan Katz from Dr. Katz, one of my favorite shows growing up. It's also just fun to say Katz, uh, which is super exciting. Uh, so glad he could make it. Oh, shit. What the fuck just happened? Also, uh, Tom Snyder is uh, the other guest, uh, his co-writer and wonderful super scientist, amazing mind, hilarious man, was was just such an awesome bonus uh, to this episode. Such an unexpected uh, treasure or pleasure. Either way, T or P, guys. T or P. Uh, they're also here to plug their show, which is Explosion Bus, uh, which is a lot like Dr. Katz, which is awesome. It's online. You can find it by going to explosionbus.com or YouTube uh, Explosion Bus, search Explosion Bus. Basically, anything with Explosion Bus online, you'll find the show Explosion Bus, which is great. It's a new animated show. It's by Dr. Katz, Jonathan Katz, called Dr. Katz, and Tom Snyder, and uh, it's, 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 uh, it's super great. It's super great. From the episodes I've seen, it's weird, it's wild, it's hilarious, it's uh, semi-improvised, it's conversational, a lot like the show Dr. Katz, Professional Therapist, and uh, they've done it all themselves. We talk about it in this episode. They did the writing, the recording, the animating, the producing, all from their home, which is really cool, and uh, it's basically about these two kind of pathetic weirdos uh, that run a talent show on their bus and the sexy, sexy broads that love them so, which is going to be great. So check it out, Explosion Bus, explosionbus.com. I don't normally do the plug up top. But why not? Why not just do it up top? Because it was natural. That's why they came on the show. But I'm happy to say that it started, you know, kind of like we did a lot of bits. And I was like, what, what kind of episode is this going to be? And it ended up being like a really interesting, very profound episode, at least for me. And I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, as always, you can email the show, weirdatnerdist.com. That's the email address for the show. Uh, people have also been mailing stuff to Meltdown Comics in Hollywood, which has been very, very nice. I've been appreciating the uh, comic books and some gifts from uh, wonderful weirdos. Somebody sent in a, a, a not feeling it framed picture, which is unbelievable, and now hanging in my home. So that's awesome. Uh, you can also go to Facebook.com/slash You Made It Weird to po- post and comment about the show. Here's the tour dates if you want to come out to a live You Made It Weird or to some live stand-up of mine. Uh, I'm going to be in. Oh, we already did those. Boston is the next one. That's this November 24th. I will be in this one, not the next one. I'll be in Boston, Massachusetts, at the Paradise Rock Club, November 24th. Home for the holidays. Going to do one show. Please come out. It's going to be great. Gary Gullman, who uh, was on the show, is going to be opening up, which is amazing, and some other local guys, which are going to be great. Uh, San Francisco, I'm going to be with Kyle Kinane. Uh, <laughs> we're also doing a live You Made It Weird. That's going to be November 29th through December 2nd at Cobbs. December 2nd is the live You Made It Weird. Wonderful guests flying in from L.A., and Kyle will be on the show, and some San Fran locals. It's going to be awesome. Portland, I'm going to be at the Helium Comedy Club with Chris Thayer, December 5th through 8th. Philly, I'm going to be at Helium Comedy Club with Chris Thayer, December 12th through 15th. And then going back to New York, New York, uh, for the Gramercy Theater, one night only, December 21st, the night the world ends, according to the Mayans. Come see me do stand-up at the Gramercy Theater. Love having weirdos out there. It's been great having you guys there. The shows have been awesome. Thank you for your support. And dare I say your love. It's been amazing. And it's it's mutual. Thank you. Oh, got kind of sentimental here at the end. Please enjoy this episode, guys. I sure did. If you like it half as much as me, you're about to shit your pants. I didn't know if you were a uh, 
neatness uh, freak. You said geek, not freak. Geek. It's hard to say. But if I knew Katie better. This Katie? What, yeah. Or knew what her. Katie Levine. Levine? She's chosen. Oh. I have to imagine Dr. Jonathan Katz is yeah. also chosen. Is that the girl that... Yeah, yeah I've talked to her on the yeah. phone. You'd love her. Yeah, yeah. Katie, do I know you well enough to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, mean, this is... I don't know where this is going, but I love it so yes. much. Uh, let me refer... Who, who do you have to blow on this town to get a cup of coffee? <laughs> You did just change it pretty drastically. I thought it was Katie. I know you well enough to tell you that you're lovely, or or I enjoy your you overall vibe. I'd love a cup of coffee. Yeah. We're drinking Sorry. Coke Zero. We just got in trouble with Coke because I shit on aspartame. Oh, don't shit on aspartame. Is, is that the uh, active ingredient ingredient in sweet and low? It is. Yeah. Are you a sweet and lowman? Can I give you a, a no? But that's money a great expression. Hey, put the, hey Tom, you put that away when you're in Los Angeles. Um, do you want like cream sugar or anything? Uh, a little bit of milk and and some Splenda. If you're going to the hippie place, we'll see you in 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna go to 7-Eleven. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fine. That's sugar. fine. So just no, that's, that's fine. Don't worry. Katie, okay, thank you so much. And you're welcome to borrow my scooter. Right. If you want a zip, right. is it what kind of scooter is it? It's a. What's the brand? Let's play. Let's plug something positive. I shit on on Coke. If you wanna, if you wanna plug a scooter brand. Right up top. Pride mobility. But I also have a <laughs> uh, an Afikim scooter, which came from Israel, which goes from zero to seven in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not seven miles an hour. <laughs> well, don't shit on that. These are, do you want some gift certificates? Oh, do you sure. drink Coca-Cola products? Uh, oh, God, do you yeah. drink a, I don't even know your name. Uh, oh, Tom Snyder. Tom? Snyder. Tom? Yes. Yep. Nice to meet you, Tom. And what's the last name? Snyder. Snyder, also chosen. Good yeah. friends with a Josh Snyder growing up. Oh, oh really? Tom is actually, yeah. Tom is not a member of the tribe, but... What no. is that? You're not Jewish? No. Oh. Sorry. My my friend Josh Snyder is, is uh, Jewish. S-N-Y? S-N-I. See, we oh. were Jewish, and uh, <laughs> we did. We, we changed our name from Schneider at Ellis Island. Wait, from Schneider, which to, is like, that sounds like Germany. Yeah. Schneider. Yeah. Schneider, Schneider which means Taylor. Well, okay. So you, are you, you do use sweet and low? Uh, I use. I'm going to keep this to just the important questions. I use Splenda. Yeah, because it tastes like sugar because it's Cause made I, from sugar. Because I want a yellow tumor. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're choosing. You can pick them up by color now. Pink is so obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Everything in there is already pink. Well, pink is flesh colored. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. Inner flesh. So right. racist. <laughs> it, even, that was a little racist. <laughs> yeah. That was old school crayons. Yeah. Uh, see, okay, so you gentlemen are both. Pete, where did you grow up? Yeah, let's get into me, please. I really like so, to keep so this about you, where, me. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Lexington, Massachusetts. No. O two one seven three. Cambridge. Cambridge. O two one three eight. Okay. Doctor Katz. O two four five nine. Is that? See, I'm well, going to make a Newton joke. Is it, it Newton? It, it is Newton, but I actually grew up. In, <laughs> I actually grew up in New York. My anti-Semitism. I don't know if it's anti-Semitism, but my uh, stereotyping no, worked. I out. grew up in the tough part of Newton. Yeah, the ton part, the new part. Everybody can handle the new part. The yeah. ton, the no, ton the is t- rough. I was saying the tough part. Yeah, no, I'm oh. making a terrible oh, joke. Oh, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> no, you didn't miss anything. Nothing happened. Oh, okay. You're you're right on the ball. But um, you did grow up in Newton. I actually, grew up in New York City. Then we moved to Newton when when my daughter became of age, two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> you you had a daughter. Okay, so yeah, you were I, gonna have to back up. Where did you grow up in New York I City? I grew up in in I lived in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and uh, Nassau County. Okay. You just skipped the Bronx and yeah, Staten Island. Right. But I'll tell you how Staten Island got its name. Do you know that story? No, is this real? Yeah, it's a Is true this story. a comedy bet? I swear. No, no, I swear to God, this is not this is just history. <laughs> tell me history. Columbus and his men were sailing. This sounds fake. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> You're spinning uh, what, a yarn. No, what's 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 another nautical term? Not the uh, captain of the boat, but the um, who is the it? lookout? Maybe yeah, maybe the lookout spotted an, an island. Uh-huh. Is it Staten Island? And he said, "Is oh my Jesus Christ! Is it worth is it? Staten Island? Is Staten Island? That joke is so up my alley. It's mugging people. <laughs> That's how up my alley that joke is. You have no idea. We don't know that. Uh, we don't know each other that well. Hey Pete, you know what I've been doing in Los Angeles, which hasn't worked yet. I've been going up to strangers and saying." Have you seen anybody fitting my description? <laughs> and nobody even is even slightly amused. Not the two women you oh did oh they like right no they did oh just now just now we had lunch. Up this, this isn't just a straight up comedy bit. That's something you're doing. Yeah yeah, but it's attempting to do a comedy bit. So he walked up to these two women. But it's at, a life bit. He's doing a life bit. Yeah. yeah. And after he left, <laughs> I like that you right. own that. Yeah. So quickly, and yeah. I went up to them. I didn't apologize, but I said it's a bit he's working on. And they actually said, tell him it's not working. Oh, my God. Oh, nice. <laughs> that is yeah. good. Nice. In this town, yeah. everyone's a critic. Yeah. Everyone's a critic. <laughs> well, okay. So On let's... the other hand, as I, I said to the – as we left the hotel, I told the front desk, I'm hoping somebody can make up my room while I'm gone. And she said, I really want to make this work. <laughs> Oh, okay, I need, okay, I need sorry. help with that I'm sorry. one. That's just an can L- you make an up LA this room? I said, can, I, can you make up my room while I'm out? And she said, I really want to make this work. Is that what people say like in this a, town? Like that's a relationship? A, no, that's what agents say. When you, when, when agents introduce <laughs> you to people in television, yes, <laughs> and you're about to you pitch something to them that somebody will say, I really want to make this work. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, no, Pete, let's go back to Lexington. No, let's stay and I want to make this work. I've been not getting a lot of jokes lately. I don't know, well, what, you know what's com- wrong with my brain. No, comedians don't get jokes that well. So, well, let, let me tell you what it was. Kumail, my friend, whose picture is right there, he's the brown one. I make that joke every time. Mm-hmm. He, uh, what's his last name? Nanjiani. Sounds Italian. I, yeah. Nanjiani. Right. You probably know. Well, he's friends with Eugene, which is how we right. met at the Paradise. Uh, we're all pretty good friends. Right. And uh, Kumail had a tweet that was... Uh, you can really tell by the line for Twilight who will never become the president or whatever, something like that. Now, okay, see, by your confused faces, I can see you don't really Wait, understand because that because of werewolves and... Yeah, I think he just means like... <laughs> I think... Like, oh, I mean, like, if you break popularity. it down, it'll sound like cruelty. Right. Like, knuckleheads. Knuckleheads right. are line... See, right. but when I saw line for Twilight, I'm thinking there's a line in Twilight. Like, I, like the mm-hmm. word, the... Uh, right. What is it? Homonym? Yeah, it means two things or whatever. I see the word line and I'm thinking line in a movie. Like, it's been happening a lot lately. Right. My head's up my own ass lately. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Right. So I didn't get your joke. So just know that you're in good company. Yeah. I, I mean, things... 
I was telling Tom, things for me are going so well. I ha- I have a guy coming in once a week just to count my blessings. <laughs> oh. oh, make me stop. I never want to make you stop. You're working too hard, Johnny. <laughs> I'm so familiar with your voice from uh, Dr. Katz, professional therapist. And Tom is the brains behind that show. He co-created right? the show. and yeah. he. Nobody tells me anything. I, don't, I mean, I agreed so quickly that I'm the brains behind it, but uh, I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there you were. Yeah. What a wonderful show. Thank you. It was on for seven years. Mm-hmm. That's a long time to be on a show. Oh, God. Yeah. Katie, that was such a loud entrance for a woman your age. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Look, Splendas. She brought you yellow tumors. You know what you missed, Katie, while you were gone? Uh, Tom Snyder, who's not Jewish, sang your Moftier. <laughs> he d- mm. And you're not Jewish either, are you? No, I'm no. not. Well, that's part of a bat Could mitzvah. Could you do that same laugh again and tell me it doesn't sound like Laura Silverman? Oh, let me hear. She can't just do it. I don't know. I guess. Uh, we could play it back. Yeah. It sounds like Laura Silverman. Are you it's... saying all Jews laugh the same? Ah. <laughs> Damn, this is tricky. Bar- I've been to a bar mitzvah. I, I, we've, we've talked about this on the show a lot. I can outdo a lot of Jews because I've been to Israel. Have you oh, been? Have you been to your? I was going to say your homeland. <laughs> have, you, have you been to the series Homeland? No, but yeah, I, <laughs> I missed it last night. <laughs> oh, do people people really watch that show? I yeah. forget that people watch yeah, television. Do you watch Homeland? No. I don't say I don't say that's naughty. I've heard it's a great show. It is. It's about the police. Well, it's about uh, terrorism and spycraft. Yeah. Spycraft. Yes. And Claire Danes is wonderful. I love a good Claire Danes. Dane Claire Danes. I'm just gonna riff bits from myself. I'll, I'll tell you. Mandy's last name, would you? Because I don't know how. Mandy. <clears throat> oh, Potimkin. Potimkin. Yeah. What was John Stewart's name before he changed it? Before he goyed it up? No, I believe it was Lipschitz. Oh, I think really? it was one, I, which oh, is the funniest that's a Jewish bad name. name. Yeah, the worst Jewish ex- word, and maybe kid, you've heard this because it's if if I were to introduce you to, uh, and you're single, right? I am a single man. To the speaking of Jews, I'm a single if, man. And, and Isn't that what that movie's I'm called? I'm going to assume you're single and straight. I am both those things. If I introduce you to the woman of your dreams, yeah, some Jewish person might say that's a shidach. A shirach. A shirach. It sounds like you an know expensive Have you heard that cognac. expression? No. Oh, it's kind of like a, it's like a mitzvah on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recently said shirach. It a sounds shikach. like a, no with a D. Get out of here, goy. Okay. <laughs> if somebody's going <laughs> to tell me, it's going to be one of the two Jews in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to a Purim celebration. I told the story. <laughs> of Esther. Of Esther. That's right. right. Uh, and have, you were telling me if you've been to Israel. I've been to Israel twice and may go again because my niece is about to have a baby. Okay. Are they there? They live in one I have family in Tel Aviv and in Jerusalem. I stayed in Jerusalem for five months. Did you really? Yes. How weird is that? What was the occasion? Well, it was a mitzvah. Right. <laughs> Kicking it with Jews. Kicking it with Jews. <laughs> I'm so sorry for singing "Kicking It with Jews" just then. I uh, I went to study because I'm I'm real churchy. I, I was real churchy, right. and you know that that's seventy percent of of the Christian faith is the Jewish faith. Well, that's right. And then so I that. went to study that sort of stuff right. and to kick it where Jesus, the ultimate, you know, the King Jew, yeah. the King Jew lived. Is that bad to call Jesus the King? Can you Google if it's offensive to call 
He is the king of kings, and he was Jewish. He also was a member of the Carpenters Union. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now that's the laugh you're talking about. See what I'm saying? Yeah. See what I'm yeah. Do it again. Okay. I'm not true. When were you? We'll make her laugh again. People love the episodes where Katie's laughing, and this is yeah. already in the top three. I'm not saying you're a hard laugher, but it is coveted. It is coveted. It's a golem. I'm just kidding. I'm trying too hard. I'm trying too hard. A made up name. I re- I tried to say Gollum. It's not correct. I recently said mitzvah to somebody and they didn't know what it meant and it really hurt my feelings. An old Jewish man and my dad would say, what does he have to be Jewish? <laughs> Goes to a doctor and the doctor says, there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to have more sex. You need to have sex eight, ten times a week. Goes home, tells his wife. She says, put me down for two. Ah. <laughs> 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 That's a joke I enjoy telling. <laughs> this should be a TV show. There's not the only thing funnier than you telling the joke is then breaking eye contact, slowly sipping your coffee, and going, "That's a joke I enjoy telling." <laughs> that is a page out of my own book. I think I did that joke at B.J. Novak's bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> another Newton boy. I know another Newton boy. I opened for B.J. back in the day at the College of William and Mary. And the thing that both Tom and I have fallen in love with many times is the thing on your site. I've tried to explain to people what you're doing, but aren't you teaching people how to stop talking like Arnold Schwarzenegger? There's a that's so funny. That is a it's a it's a video where Arnold Schwarzenegger has cured his accent with a product called Axagon. Oh right, but right, then it right. keeps creeping back in. Right, it's so good. <laughs> no, it's thank just, you. I had no idea. You're so you're aware of me as a person. <laughs> a little bit. Do you know anybody that matches my description? <laughs> Can you help me? Yeah. Have I seen anyone fitting your description? Yes. Not yes. lately. No. <laughs> so you've you've watched the video and you enjoyed it, and that's very yeah. flattering. Because as I said, I, I I loved your show. I loved it so so much growing up. Big part of why I yeah. became a comedian. I think. And Pete, I got to tell you up front, I'm not a hero. <laughs> that's that's my new hook. I'm no hero. That is so good. That is so good. I can go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, And also, I don't know if we know each other well enough for me to tell you this, is the most interesting way to start anything. Yeah. Anything. The way to ask for coffee. That's just a colorful way to ask for coffee, and I enjoy it and celebrate it. So you were in Old City, Drew? Yeah. Um, What? Where were you? Uh, My sister-in-law lives there. In Old City? Yeah. I call it Old City. We don't say the, the you, back then. You know, in Chicago, there's a place called Old Town. I, I lived very close to Old Town. Yeah. And I, I lived in at, Chicago. Yeah, I lived in Chicago for a year, and I I was half of a team called Sabasau and Cats, a uh, musical duo. I was Cats. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I'm no hero was our hit. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we never got paid. We got lunch once. That's a working musician. That's and a I, Simpsons joke. And I also, I flew to Chicago at the suggestion, and I'm not dropping names here. I, David Mamet said, "I just come out here. There's a there's a part for you in this production." Yes. So I flew out to Chicago. I got. A, I went to the Niles Children's Theater. Okay. And I think I was up for the role of the Caterpillar. And <laughs> is that Alice in Wonderland? Yeah. The guy hated me. <laughs> he. I didn't get the job. Were you in costume? No. Did Mamet write this play? No, was he, he was just a member of the Children's Theater. The Niles Children. He was an actor. Oh, really? Yep. I didn't know that. Uh, I I couldn't be more happy that you brought up Mamet because I'm a huge Mamet fan. I, I didn't bring him up. <laughs> you sure did. 
I just dropped his name. Yeah, it's right there on the floor with your dignity. Yeah. I dropped area codes now. We did earlier. Oh, did you? We did. 02173. Oh, that's right. how we all started. Oh, that's right. Zip codes, yeah. Oh, that's a zip code. Yeah. And I'm an close. idiot. Ding. I'm, I'm not saying that uh, I'm all over 212. <laughs> what is your zip? What is your area? Um, now it's 617, but I... I, I Keeping it old school. I yeah, love that. I used to uh, see somebody in the 212 and 516. <laughs> I'm a 917 now. That's your. That's where you're from. 917 is currently Manhattan. Oh, that's right. Back in the day. 212 yeah. is also Manhattan. And also... Oh, 646. 646. 646. Yeah. There's so many. There's yeah. just so many. So uh, you visit your sister. Is that right? Who lives in, in the Puerto, old city of Jerusalem? No, no, my sister lives in Puerto Rico. My wife's sister lives in Jerusalem. Your wife's sister lives yeah. in Jerusalem. Right. And which, which uh, and my part? niece lives in Tel Aviv. Okay. I didn't spend much time in Tel Aviv, although there was a bomb scare at the airport. So I got the full experience. Right. I wasn't afraid. I was so young. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you remember being really, really young and no. not afraid of death at all? No. Does that resonate with you? I was, I was terrified my entire youth. Really? Yeah. Well, Tom and I grew up watching the bombs. Yeah, the Russians. Bomb shelters and also watching um, the, was it nine, nine warning signs for cancer? Nine warning signs for was, cancer? Wasn't it 12? Or 12? Well, yeah. since yeah. adding Splenda to your coffee, was there's 13 yeah. now. It was incredible. Back in the 50s, there were signs on banks, the 12 warning signs of cancer, and they were things like feeling drowsy. Shut know. up. Really? Really? Yeah, and it was like, it was terrifying just to get out of bed. So, what? Well, I'm 33. You guys are 33. What year is it? Well, you guys are 23. Well, we're 33 in the explosion bus. Yeah, John plays 33 really well on our, show, on our new show. I draw, I'm able to draw on my experience as a 33-year-old man, <laughs> even though I'm not classically trained. But you're growing up in, in which decade? Just help me with the math. I don't want to guess. Well, he's a little really older wrong. than me. When did you grow up, I'm John? 65. I was born in 1946. See, you, don't, you don't look a day over 64. Okay, dear, that's so sweet. See, so you in the see, I watch a lot of Mad Men. That's right. how I, I told my mother when I watched Mad Men. I actually told this to here. Let me put a name on the floor right next to Mamet. I told John Hamm that the show uh, Mad Men really brought me and my mother together because it brought things up like the Cold War and the Cuban Missile Crisis and yeah. uh, Marilyn Monroe's death and all that sort of stuff. That I have no, I have no conception of that. So you even telling me that there were signs that are like, hey, if you're drowsy, maybe you have cancer. That's a different picture than what I have of that time. Did she? Were you sort of narratively hooked up when she did? Did she tell you stories about being a kid when you were growing up? No. Yeah. I. How badly would you like to see a movie about your parents' childhood? I know. Fucking the best thing in the world. That's I, why I'm doing this podcast. My kids can listen to this in 10 years or whatever and be like, you were a scumbag. I, I, would, I would have given anything for one story about the past. Yeah. You know, is, what is that? So you're know. the same way. My, my parents, Lithuanian. Yeah. Hungarian, Dr. Katz? Hungarian and Russian. And Tom? Uh, Christian. Just Christian, regular? Yeah, Quaker. British, Quaker. <laughs> I went to CFS. Do you know that school? Yes. So you're from Cambridge? Yes. And I went to Quaker school. Yeah, so did I. I went to, and then I went to Swarthmore, and my wife went to Quaker school. Really? Yeah, we were married. Are you still a friend? Yeah. A friend of the friends? You know, some of my best Jews are friends. <laughs> are they oh, Jewish friends? What, you know, that's what your dad said to me, and I didn't realize it was a joke. No, I, no he would never say that. No? Can you be a Jewish Quaker? No. I found that so funny. <laughs> just a point blank no. Yeah, that's just dry. But uh, 
You're the most open, accepting, loving, let's just sit in silence people. <laughs> and a Jew comes along. Well, you're saying if, if he doesn't accept Christ, is it like Christian no, Quaker? It's, no, it's just, you don't even have to believe in God to be a Quaker. So you can be a Jew. You have to believe Jewish. in community. Believe in community and silence. Because really? the Quaker meaning, nothing is said. As I, yes, I love that. Yeah. I actually think that might be right on. Very CFS. Minimalist. I can't believe that. CFS. Mary Johnson. Did you know Mary? She was the director? Yeah, she was the she was the principal at the time. Oh. Huh. It's interesting. I taught at Shady Hill for 10 years. Is that a Quaker school? Uh, no, but it's nearby. <laughs> <laughs> we had to sit in silence. We had to. It started we had to. Now that I'm older, all the things like school in general seems like a good idea. Like when you like to go and learn and stuff. And I know yeah. you've taught at Brandeis and stuff. It's fun to teach and give. And you're like, you can steal this knowledge from me and seem intelligent. And now that's intoxicating. But when I was younger, I was like boring and sitting in silence for 20 minutes every day. It sucked. I hated it. Yeah. I used did, to, did you have friends in high school? Did I? Yeah. Who has friends ever? <laughs> I, had, I had like three friends in high did school. Did you, Tom? No. Did you? I had one friend, Alfonso Grimes. Oh, I know Alfonso. Yeah. He was tight. <laughs> That's a bit I do. That's a bit I do. <laughs> Whenever someone says a name, I just say I know them. You just kept uh, going and it delighted me. You had one friend in high school? Yeah. And it's only because we were waiting for the bus together. I don't think he actually liked me. <laughs> Help me out. Really? Okay. You're yeah, in, you're yeah, in high school. I'm Where did high you school. go to high school? In, in Manhattan? I went to high school at a place called Bayside High in Queens. But you it went was, to Bayside High? Yep. But it was You during know the, that's the school from... Oh, from Saved by the Bell? From Saved by the Bell. Oh, yeah. But it was during that those years that I learned how to, how to play table tennis. And that's... That, I've heard this. That I, I became... Uh-oh. She's asleep. I'm sorry. No, I became the new. You are a teacher. You noticed that Katie yeah. was texting. I think my dad went to oh. high school. That's why. Oh, really? Yeah. I, oh, I perk up because I'm a fictional Bayside, and you're like, I know something yeah, real. I, I became the New York State table tennis champion and one of the top ranked players in the country. But more importantly, <clears throat> you're not a Have hero. you seen anybody fitting my description? <laughs> you, when did you start getting into ping pong? Because that is very interesting. Around 11 or 12. And Tom and I were just talking about this this morning. This. Something that's happening biologically that permits you to become very good at anything at that age. Tell so, me what. What does that mean? Around 11, 13. I, I heard this on NPR, so it's like. Oh, wait. I heard this middle on school, NPR. The middle yes. school. Yes. It's when all your brain is, a, is alive. It's growing so fast, and most of those cells aren't going to live. I love the that ones you're that you're this. using. Yes. So the, it, what the fuck, man? Why didn't I sounded like Marin just then? But why didn't anyone tell us that? I know. You, if you like did ping pong when you were left card tricks, I this was part of the right. show too. Card tricks I knew how to do when I was eleven. I can still do right because that's when your brain is like, well, this is the important stuff, and it killed <laughs> physics. Physics is gone. Right. See a whole wing of French. Every guy I've told this fact to in the last three days has said. Then jerking off, you know, is... Is why I'm so good at is it. Is why I'm so good at it. But, I mean, when I tell parents that... So, you, how old is your daughter now? I have two beautiful kids, a couple of kids, not so... Tr- I'm sorry, I'm doing my act. Ah. No, I have a 21-year-old and a 30-year-old. Okay. Did you... Do you wish you knew this? Do you wish you knew when they were 11 that it was the stuff they were doing then that would be imprinted on them forever? No, because I was videotaping them. <laughs> so, I can always refer back to it. <laughs> I mean, both of my kids, their entire lives are on tape. Is that true? Yep. And my and a lot of my life is on audio tape. 
Yeah. I started recording myself at age seven or something, and Tom as well. Wallensack? Is that the... Well, uh, yeah, Wallensack re- tape recorder. Well, that kind of goes back to wanting to hear our parents yeah. when yeah. they were kids. I wonder if well, our compulsion to record ourselves comes from their lack of compulsion. That was my, my journey from my home in Newton to Ira Glass's show. It was going by, by way of Jay Allison, who's an NPR guy. Mm. And I went to Woods Hole with about 70 reel-to-reel tapes looking for the voice of my mother. Found it. Not that good. It sounds like a Mitch album book. Mitch. Who wrote Tuesdays with Maury? Album. Album. Can we go back and make that joke funny? What I'm saying is <laughs> yeah. looking for my mother's voice. That's, that, that is a New Yorker essay. Yeah. I mean, it was... I did was it work? Really, I did find it ultimately, but more importantly, what I found was that my sister, Phyllis, and I have totally different versions of our childhood. That's interesting. And I'm right. Can you... That's real? Yeah. Because my brother and I, I, I've, I've wiped out huge portions of my memory of my childhood. So tell me what that means. Do well, you tell think- me how you wiped out. Was, was using drugs? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. Using uh, self-made. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Without my, um, now as I get older, my brother is more and more precious to me because he really remembers like what my childhood was like. Whereas he I was, was like, this isn't useful to hold on to. And I moved on. Yeah. Like, it he wasn't was, that it was that bad, but... He was a witness to your childhood. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah he was like my assistant. Right. We're going to make this work. See, I'm calling back jokes yeah. I didn't get. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pro. Use them in a sentence. <laughs> so tell me, what does that mean? Your sister, Phyllis, I know Phyllis, and you had different... Thank you very much, Doug. She, they uh, had different interpretations. Well, what does that mean? She's two and a half years older than me. My brother's two years older than me. I so wonder... It wasn't my arrival was not a joyous event for her. Not a mitzvah. No. And um, But I, want, I wanted to backtrack a little bit to this. Old, remember this old Jewish guy I was telling you about? Yes. Earlier? Why does it have to be Jewish? Yeah. I'm being your well, father. Okay. Well, <laughs> this time he's on, a, he's, on a, uh, he's on an island and he's granted three wishes mm-hmm. by a genie. <laughs> Why is it always three? Why is it always three? Three Jews, yeah. Three so, wise men. So the, the guy, so the guy says, um, three mice. Uh, can't grant three wishes. I haven't told the joke in a while, so bear with me. I yet. love it. Hey, you guys talk among yourselves. While I'm trying to remember. No, I'd rather I'm watch try. you. Okay, so if, is it the one about like? <laughs> oh no! So the first thing I know you, a good one wish one. Oh, the first thing he wishes for is um, <laughs> peace in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. The second thing is uh, he gets it. Yeah. Second thing is just for all uh, people to, to find happiness. Yes. And then the third thing is, um, the f- third wish is for his wife for once to perform oral sex. <laughs> and the genie says, now when you say peace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's great. I heard a rumor. Have you heard this rumor? Maybe it's a modern Jew rumor, a Jumer. <clears throat> Maybe love it's it? a modern Jumer that Jewish women love giving oral sex. Because I've heard a lot of jokes like that where it's like a Jewish man uh, right before the ceremony gets blown by his wife. And then he comes out and he's so happy. And they're like, what are you smiling about? He's like, I just got the last blowjob of my life, right? I've heard those jokes. Yeah. But then I've also heard and had it affirmed by the internet, which is never wrong, no. that Jewish women now, the stereotype is that they love it. Wendy? 
<laughs> I mean, oh no, Beavis. Oh, oh no, oh no. Oh. Who's Wendy? I don't know, but I, I want to call I mean, Katie Wendy. So I call her Catherine too, which is not her name, oh. and she hates it. Katie, can you confirm or deny that? She's the best blowjobs. It's, I thought it was that they oh, loved it, the too. No, every woman thinks they're the best. No, at the, we're the, we're the best. I've never met a woman that wasn't like, I'm about to show you what it's all about. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. okay, it's pretty and much the same three things. And there's no such thing I've discovered as as a perfect blowjob. Yeah. Because <laughs> unless, because I've, <laughs> I mean, the closest I've come was a woman who was actually getting her tonsils removed at the time. <laughs> And, and could take her teeth out. Yeah, and kids, please don't listen to this. <laughs> no, they don't. No, no children listen to this except Gil, and it's really shaping them. And certainly none of my children. Yeah, well, your your children are of age. Yeah, twenty one and thirty. That's, That's got to be kind of tricky. Twenty one. Well, my family and Tom, forgive me again. You're hearing this again. We're all members of the nine table. We're all nine years apart. Oh, really? My wife and I are nine years apart. My daughters are nine years apart. So every nine years we get to be the nine table. That's really interesting, and not and yet a- and yet math. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is a great table. There's another nine, isn't there? I've heard this so many times now. There, well, there's another nine linkage. Oh, that everybody's. Are you thinking about Kevin Bacon? Yes, that's it. Yeah. No, no, something about your. Friend. Well, what's what is that? A hear? linkage sausage bacon joke? <laughs> what is ha- how many jokes are happening right now? <laughs> I need to know. I'm just hanging on for dear the, life here. Perfect doing. comedy storm. Perfect, <laughs> but you haven't heard the stereotype that Jewish girls. Well, Katie, I feel like the last time I brought this up, you said that you have heard the stereotype that they like to do it. No. It was on Sean Patton's episode. Wow. Yeah. No, because he... Nice. I remember because he texted me. Good pull. And he said... He, he texted me one day and he... I hope he didn't text you and say, like, is, is that true? Is it true that, girl, that Jewish girls give the best blowjobs? And I wrote, yeah. And then he tweeted that, and that's what he was talking about. Oh. Uh, no, it's that we give the best. In between the text and the tweet, did you think he was hitting on you? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so that's... that's, a, that's a, you want to hear my one... I bet you'll like the one wish joke. Guy finds a lamp. This maybe this is the Goy version. What, what did he find? The lamp. He found a lamp. Oh, I left that part out. I yeah. Can I borrow your lamp <laughs> for, later, for editing? <laughs> <laughs> we'll put my setup in on your joke. Okay. But everybody knows what a genie is. Yeah. So if I, I'm, I'm making it longer because I love talking. So he finds a lamp and he and the genie comes out and he goes, "I'm a different kind of genie. You only get one wish." <laughs> and the guy goes, "Well, I want a highway." That, uh, that runs from New York City, and my parents live in England, and I want to be able to drive on that, and I want to be a good, and I also have friends that live in Antarctica, and I want the highway to also go to Antarctica. I can get anywhere in the world in five minutes. And he's like, that's too difficult. He's <laughs> like, I don't, what are you talking about? I can't do that. He goes, okay, uh, I want to know everything there is to know about women. And then the genie goes, do you want that road going east to west? <laughs> like it's very, it's yeah, the same, same very joke. similar. Yeah. I love those same set. The, my favorite joke setup is the three guys that are right. captured by the headhunters, by the, by the primitive tribe. And they're in a pot? They're, they're, there's usually a pot nearby. And yeah. there's somebody getting fucked up the ass. Always. Yeah. Always. But- so on the, explosion, <laughs> on the explosion bus, yes. unlike Dr. Katz, what is Explosion Bus? Tell Explosion us. Bus is this is a new series we're doing on the web, Tom and I. And I do, my voice just got so intimate. I know. Me too. <laughs> you really NPR'd that mic just then. Uh, when we come back, I'll Can be we? talking with the... <laughs> You're going to have to sip the coffee right Pete, into the mic. Pete Holmes and uh, Tom. <laughs> 
Tom Snyder. But John and I are getting back to what we used to do with the Dr. Katz days, and it's really fun. Because what does that mean? Well, we recorded all of Dr. Katz in my home. Yes. And uh, we're recording in my home, and now John's home, too. He's got a great studio in his basement. So we bring eight actors in, put them in ISO booths. Yes. And we have a show that's on the web that's a story about two pathetic guys in a bus going around the country. And John's one of them. We're trying to put the... I'm popping my piece. We're trying to put the fictitious version of uh, America's Got Talent out of business. And we don't have any skills or any work ethic. Yes. We just have a bus and a dream. That's funny. (laughs) And it's animated. Yeah. It's animated, and it's that conversational style of Dr. Katz where it's it's an outline more than a script, and everybody's talented. Which everybody's just ripping off left and right. Not fair. Not fair. But where we had John Benjamin, (laughs) the funniest white man in the room. H. John Benjamin. Yep. We now have... The comic genius of a guy named Tom Leopold, who's just this ridiculously funny guy who's comes from the world of comedy writing and producing, not from the world of stand-up. Mm. He's, a, he's Harry Shearer's go-to guy if he's doing anything funny with audio. Okay. Harry Shearer from The Simpsons. Yes. Right. That, the very one. The very same. You know oh what the God, H like is for on H. John Benjamin? Oh, I just found this out. What a- is it? Affectation. 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 <laughs> you know you know what? I think I even mentioned this at the Paradise. Is the, th- the way I used to drive John Benjamin crazy was every day I'd say to him, you are driving me absolutely Miss Daisy. <laughs> I'd say that's John Benjamin. We have a lot of similarities there. We make a lot of these. I love these kind of jokes. I love that kind of yeah. joke very much. Dr. Katz actually it was my first taste of the – I know this is maybe a trite thing. But it's a kind of like a, a, a glimpse into the comedic mind. You know what I mean? I started to right. see. I didn't even realize. I, I think I was young enough that I didn't even realize they were comedians. I was just like, this guy's got funny guys on. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is a dumb question. But what is what is your doctorate in? What are you what are you a, a doctor of? I'm not a doctor of anything. I'm a doctor of of, of uh, comedy. You're a cartoon character. I'm a cartoon doctor. doctor. Yeah. Oh, okay. So oh, the doctor is fake. Right. I thought you were a shrink. But in in Newton, Massachusetts, there's so many shrinks (laughs) that if you go outside and and yell help, somebody will say, you have issues. (laughs) Do you go to therapy? I've been in and out of therapy all my life. Yeah. And uh, did your parents, were your parents cool with that? I feel like. My parents were, my my mom was gone when I was very young. Okay. She she died when I was very young. That's why you were looking for her voice. Oh, maybe. And that's... Oh, a sensitive guy. Oh, look at that. And, um, <laughs> you, you, don't fuck with me, fella, which is a David Mamet line. I say it all the time. Don't fuck with me, fella. Um, you know what play it's from? Uh, You're his buddy. American Buffalo? Don't fuck with me, fella. What are you talking about? Uh, could be Glenn from, Gary? It is Glenn Gary. Oh. Shelley the Machine Levine. Oh. Uh, you know, and the thing is, David and I wor- worked at a company called Web Realty in Chicago. Yeah, got, I got a lot of things to bring back. Let's talk and, about it. We got ping pong, Jerusalem. And Web Realty, was, he was, I was learning how to get the real estate salesman into a meeting, what's called a cold sit. Yes. And he was writing a Pulitzer Prize winning play. Hmm. So I made like 85 bucks a week and he built a career. Can we call him and ask him if he wrote that play about the guy who does the call into the radio? Have you seen the the the, the toy and bee? You know toy and bee tiles. No, yeah. but it's not Eric Bogosian that you're thinking of. Hmm? You think about Eric Bogosian, the playwright? No, it's Mammoth that's accused of writing a play 
that was based on a call-in from a guy who was putting down the tiles that say uh, Resurrect the Dead uh, based on the movie uh, Apocalypse Now and all this sort of stuff. So there's this guy who's who's trying to spread this like kind of manic message out there who says that Mamet wrote this play based on a guy who does a call-in and has these uh, huge delusions of grandeur and, and making people live forever. And then it's very, very close to what, what actually happened this one night on a radio show. And then in one interview, Mamet says that he did hear that. And in another one, he says that he <laughs> – I don't mean to <laughs> hold your feet to Mamet's fire here. And I honestly don't really care. I, I, don't, I, don't, actually know, <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Let's call him. But I, does he answer the phone, cunt? Not- <laughs> Nobody, I don't know if I can get away with this. He used to refer to his. Ooh. Well, he called his mother Aunt Lee. Aunt Lee. He called his. We always made up names for people at Goddard. We went to Goddard College, and mm-hmm. there was some woman who was very short, and David called her the assistant dwarf. <laughs> um, That's not that bad. I feel like you're omitting yeah. one. Yeah, the the uh, initial, the original lesbian was the first gay woman ever that we met. Um, I'm I'm trying to do this without getting in trouble with anybody I'm related to. I completely understand that. It's weird because in a world where people uh, hijack tweets and read emails and steal stuff and hack your life, basically, that mammoth joke. You know what I mean? Which is something he said to you or like the, you know, schoolboy version of the Internet would have been he wrote it down and like passed it to you. But like I thought about that. I was like comedians can be pretty offensive people. You know what I mean? That's one of the joys and the green lights of being in this world is we kind of assume that most things. We're disinhibited. We're disinhibited. What a lovely way to put it. Shrink. I would. You're a doctor. You're a fake doctor. And I love it. But that, that's one of the privileges, I think, of being a comedian is that you get to hang out with comedians and that we right. don't have that uh, filter. I, I don't want to paint the wrong picture. We're not like a bunch of swashbucklers being cruel to each other, but you can kind of say anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm wondering if, if I love the that'll fact bite that us in the end. swashbucklers. Yeah. Because all of a sudden we were back in the 30s. Is yes. that where that came from? No, it's more like pirate days. Oh. Well, back in the 30s, that's what they referred to. Oh, the that's <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just. He's on the media level. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but we were just talking about uh, some comedians we know who are extremely funny, who part of the secret is they are ruthless. Yeah. Very. Uh, like mean people. They're ruthless. I don't know if they're mean, but they just they don't they don't care. Yeah. that much who they set up and hurt. In life, not In life. not the things they say, but they backstabbing yeah. showbizy types? No, no, just while they're doing their comedy, they'll just be ruthless. They'll the, the Let me joke, ask you the, on stage. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and and sometimes getting a laugh. I've said I've said totally Reprehensible things in the name of comedy. Sure. Here are six of them. No, um, <laughs> but, six of funny but, numbers. But if you can't pull the apply the brakes to hurt somebody you care about, then there's a part of you missing. You, you could, called compassion, probably. <laughs> I already have to name it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, Jonathan, you have MS. And you make jokes okay, about it. Now you now I have to <laughs> see you just oh. did. Yeah, I do I do make jokes about it. And well see Steve Martin has a quote that's come up on the show. Sorry. I thought that was a bit. It was like if he brings up MS, play brown eyed girl <laughs> loudly. Sorry. 
Hey, where did we go? Now it's just vibrating kind of nice. Somebody from Texas. Yeah. Is this a baby you know? My granddaughter. <laughs> it would be weird if you didn't uh, know that baby. Just, her name is Thea. Sweetest little girl in the world. Thea? Yeah. It's like a lady god. Yeah. Kind of weird. I love it, though. And this is the only other call I will take because I promised John Benjamin that I, I told him I was going to be here. He has his own ringtone. <laughs> this is when John Benjamin calls yeah. you? That it does Sam Kinison? Yep. Oh, that's a good reference. It wasn't Sam Kinison? No, it's just a it's a sound Just effect. a regular yell? It's a it's toy. A, it's a, I, I, mix, I, I love sound effects. Okay, so the Steve Martin quote is, when we're young men... We make all these jokes about cancer. Right. Then your friends get cancer and you stop making them. You have MS. But right. Of course, you probably started making jokes about MS when, when you were diagnosed, I'm guessing. You yeah. didn't have like tw- 10 minutes on MS just ironically. No, but, but I, I, I did explain to um, on, the radio, on, on air with somebody that when I started doing comedy, I had maybe five minutes. I got married. I had 15 minutes. Hmm. I had kids. I had 20 Minutes per kid, and then MS. I could do an hour and a half. Is that right? It's that funny. Well, it is. Yeah, there's I a mean, lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot to be addressed. I have to imagine. Right. I mean, it's not. It's it's a disease. I wish I had a hook that wasn't a disease, which is I'm why I'm working so hard on the I'm no hero thing. <laughs> but you were you were dead on because you you had an MS joke that yeah. referred to a different disease. And you said to me just yesterday, I can't use that disease anymore. Because I know somebody who's Because we just found out struggling. someone Isn't that weird? Who has yeah. that disease. So right. that joke is gone, or you have to find another disease that's less... Right. That's right. more or just different. Right. I don't know. I've mentioned this many times on the show, so please forgive me, listeners. But I had this joke, and I've been doing it about how my mom is 70-something. So she's at that age where when I can't find her... I only go home a couple times a year, and when I can't find her... I immediately start looking for a body. And I know that's like a shocking thing to say, but it's, it's like I have a need to share those feelings. Mm. So I, I, my mom's look, I would go, Mom? And then if I can't find her, she catches me looking around on the floor. And then I'm like, oh, nothing. It's a very dark joke. But I can't do it. Just the thought of my mom dying makes me so sad mm. that I like cut it out. But really, it's, it's like a, there's something funny there, but it's too close to something. Yeah. Mm. So you have a friend that gets a disease, you lose the joke. But you right. do that joke? I mean, I, I would do it, but every time I do it, and, and you know, we have lizard brains and stupid brains and superstitious brains, yeah. and we're like, I'm going to get this is going to, you know, cause my mother's death somehow, yes. which is stupid. But mm, you know, it's true. As I'm talking about it now, I don't like to. It's true. <laughs> my, <laughs> See, my, joke. Good. My mother died of uh, of lung cancer mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, and she smoked three packs of Camels every day for thirty years. Wow. Died in November, smoked for another three months. <laughs> and that's the darkest joke I tell, I think. That's a great joke. Yeah. I don't think there's a What was the disease that you had to omit? Do you mind saying? I do mind. You do? Yeah. So, oh, of course, because just, a friend of yours got Yeah. Yeah, how sad. See, so you... And somebody you probably know, so I'm not going to mention it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jesus. Well, now we're on the case. <laughs> that limits it to about 8,000 people. <laughs> right. So that, I guess that's... So I'm interested in this ruthless thing you were saying, though, Tom. Is, 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 on stage, the persona of the sharpshooting go-fuck-yourself well, guy? I've noticed some good improvisers uh, who uh, get on mic and you put in the booth. If they're really good sometimes... They're ruthless uh, because they don't. Uh, they don't. 
they don't play by the normal rules of improv where you you know never negate and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. They, so they just go the opposite direction and make you do the work and they'll set you up to fail. Doesn't that sounds horrible. These are funny people? Yes, extremely talented. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, but it works. Really? Yeah. I need to know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> Cover your earphones and I'll tell okay. you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish that worked. Yeah, it didn't. I, so that's interesting. I find that those people, those really mean people, those real a lot of can like uh, for example Anthony Jeselnik. Do you know Jeselnik? No, he's, he's a great great comedian. He will do jokes about anything, of course, like uh, mm-hmm. like cancer jokes. It doesn't matter. And off stage, I find that those guys tend to be the biggest sweethearts. Really, really nice. Yes. Uh, you look cold. Here's my jacket, sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that your experience with this with this monster that no. you're working with? No. <laughs> <laughs> But I like the sweet guys too, like Andy Kindler. I can't think of a sweeter guy yeah. off mic. Yeah, uh, truly, he yeah. he always it seems like he wants to get my coat for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, no, that's true. That's true. He is a, a very sweet, and he's not too mean on stage. No, but I, I'm kind of that way too. Stage is the only place where I can be a three dimensional person. Do you find that it opens you up, Jonathan? No, no. <laughs> I mean, in a certain way, it, it permits me to say things I I couldn't say at Staples. Yeah, I mean, you work pretty well at Staples. You, you know, yeah. any salesperson. Is, you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't really need a big audience. I just need more than one person. Yes, there's a woman at Walgreens who uh, you torture. Oh well, she's. I don't know if you've ever. Have you spent much time in Newton? No. Well, anybody who lives in Newton knows about this woman at Walgreens. Who, no, really? Yeah, who is? Um, she's a mean, retarded adult. <laughs> and the only one I've ever met, she's really mean. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I, you're remi- not just that fact, but you're reminding me of I went to school with someone who was, and again, I want to be careful here, not say that I'm putting them down, but she was the smallest person I've ever seen in my life. It, it wasn't a traditional little person. Something else was happening. And uh, she was a real bitch. She was the See? bitchiest bitch. Who was it? Like, I like I mean, when like, you turn to me and say, see, yeah, see what I'm saying about like, small yeah. people? Objectively, she knew she was a bitch. Now you, you give her the pass. No one, we, none of us were mean back to this person right. because you're like, oh, I know. It must be, you must be angry all the time because you're tiny. But like she was so – she was meaner than her uh, disability maybe even warranted. Right. I think she was just naturally a bitch, and then that made it worse. Yeah. But is that that's what this Newton Walgreens? Although to be fair, most at Walgreens employees are but if pretty you, if, shitty. No, if you, I mean, you, you know some people from Newton just through the world of comedy. Sure. And if you if you ask them, do you can you do you know any mean retarded adults in the town? Yes. Well, all th- we're all talking about the same woman. Really? Yeah. She's there's folklore. It's it's not, yeah it yeah. is folklore yeah. yeah she's become the stuff of folklore right she'll live long past her stress toy squeeze sales yeah that's interesting well I will tell you one thing yes, her name please. is not blah 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 no no um <laughs> why does she come up you still see this woman yeah she still I mean, works yeah she's still working but she's also worked at many different places in Newton she'd always pop up wherever they would hire somebody who was intellectually challenged and mean. And mean, yeah. Yeah. Are you mean? Yes. That's really <laughs> funny. There was a woman in Lexington that worked at the CVS who was also 
um, differently abled. I can't. I couldn't put my. I couldn't to this day, even if I was trying to tell you what was different about her. But she worked at so many different CVSs <laughs> that to this day, me and my brother still laugh about Claire Vincent Smith. Uh, that's what I called her when I was a yeah. kid. I couldn't even think of a girl middle name with V. We call her Claire Vincent Smith. Not CVS, her not, not her name. Yeah. Do you know the name Edna St. Vincent Millay? No. You know who that is, yep. right? Katie, do you know who that is? ESVM. Edna St. Vincent Millay. You never literature. heard that name? It's literature. Oh, I guess that's interesting. Yeah. What? Oh. She's a famous We're a different poet. generation. Yeah. 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 Poetry is one of those things. It's always right there to enhance your life and yeah. make you smell the rain, but... I, I never got into it. <laughs> I like limericks. Who can be bothered when you have dirty limericks? A lovely young lassie from Banff. From Banff? Yeah. You do the next line. Uh, love to go out for a dance? No, there is no next line. That's why BAMP is a good line. You know, I was using Eminem's oh. style. If you just say it with confidence, it rhymes. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> BAMP. Oh, Jesus. I'm, I'm sorry to miss that. That's such a, we used to improvise limericks all all the day, live long day. Yeah. Uh, well, I feel like we should. I, I don't want to um, harp on it, but you were diagnosed in 97? Right. And how old were you? I was a very tender age of 49. 49. Yep. So I had 49 MS-free years. Yes. Which is a lot more than some people get. Yes, and true. And it's also a disease that affects more women than men. So it's a great way to meet chicks. <laughs> Are you familiar with the moving company MS Carriers? No, but I know MS does. <laughs> MS Car- I'm going into a, a gunfight with a with a knife right now. Like it's a dull knife. I'm like, I bet I have some MS jokes you haven't thought of. Every time I see MS carries, I'm like, that's a little weird. No, but I I asked my uh, first neurologist. I said um, he had a sort of a holistic approach. He said no more no more a red wine and no more wine, no more alcohol, no more salt. And I said, what about sex? He said, I'm seeing somebody. <laughs> and we're out. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Is it, it's the sort of, it's a, it's a disease that you can slow down or yeah, you, can you can do things like that? The, you can control the progression to some degree with drugs. Yes. Um, is it things like no red wine? No salt? No. No, not really? No, I made that up. <laughs> um, <laughs> you just got a, a laugh that sounded like a fart. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and there are thousands of people out there with MS going, yeah, because there's an in the closet. Yeah, because there's MS, some right? there's some asymptomatic people with MS. You you they're called the walking wounded. <laughs> by my know. by my eye doctor. That's that was my I don't know if I'm allowed to laugh at that, but That's, it's funny laugh. Yeah. Walking wounded is funny. That's yeah. funny to me. But you you were in the in the closet. You were in the because mm, I was producing a TV show out here. Yes, from Warner Inc. Brothers. No, uh, called Raising Dad. Raising with, Dead. with Bob Saget and uh, Kat, Dennings. Kat Dennings, a woman named Brie Larson. Jerry Adler. Mm-hmm. wasn't a bad show, but it was too physical of a job for me. And my, I hired B.J. Novick as a staff writer, a guy named Norman Steinberg, to co-produce it. Wait, this was this was in... In the year 2000. I thought The Office was B.J.'s first job. No, well, the first job was writing on the staff of Raising Dad. Oh, well, you would know. That's weird. Because, yeah. you know, speaking of folklore, there's folklore of B.J. doing stand-up and getting hired... 
Have you heard this story? Someone said, uh, who's the EP on The Office? I forget. Greg Daniels? Greg Daniels. Yeah. Greg Daniels saw him do stand-up, liked the faces he made, quote, in between jokes. Not his jokes. He liked mm. the faces he made in between jokes and hired him based on that. That's a story. I could ask BJ that. He declined to do the show because he doesn't like getting too personal, which right. is completely fine. Maybe we should take that out. But <laughs> uh, actually, that's fine. But um, it, it, he was writing before. Well, I, I wrote a movie with his father who's a, a – very successful ghost a ghostwriter and um and we both of us said when when bj was about 10 we said oh someday we're both going to be working for him he was just so such a smart ambitious kid yes and his brother jesse is even uh i can't really say more talented just has a different i understand different kind of talent that is brilliant and he's writing the music for mindy kaling show and, well, that's cool. You wrote yeah. music for well. Let's say let, let's wrap up. I have. I won't forget to ask you about your music and right. uh, the blues, and uh, you composed for Robin Williams and all this sort of stuff. I, yeah, I wrote a couple of songs and toured with him. I think that's cool. Yeah. But let's talk about staying in the closet with MS. So there was a time when you were minimizing your symptoms, and you and people didn't know. Right. Right. Because in Hollywood, you're not allowed to be sick or old. Yeah. So I moved back to Newton, where both things are encouraged. <laughs> So, but that has to be, does, does that make it worse? I mean, the hiding it? Oh, yeah. It's, and I tell people it's it's much easier to live with MS than to pretend you don't have it. Yeah. That's got to be a, a, a horrible burden to yeah. to be aware of it. I, I feel mm. like it must almost assist in, well, this is a pretty lofty claim, but it might even help with your overall well-being, your feeling if you're out about it. I, yeah. I think yeah. we talking about NPR. I learned on NPR that they were like a secret is they can now prove that it's medically dangerous to with like keep a secret in uh, that they know how that affects your brain and stuff. Isn't that crazy? Yes. So like they can hook people up to things and be like, oh, when you let go of that secret, that's why therapy can help. You know, uh, and and being open about these things right. that maybe have no benefit. Were you and uh, Terry uh, Gar both in touch and not telling the world at the same time? Because I seem to remember no, I that. No, yeah, I think I came out before she did. Because mm. she's a working, high-paid actress. Yeah. Mm. And I made my living mostly with my voice. Yeah. So, God. Um, but we became friends. She did a, a sketch in Aspen where we were doing Dr. Katz Live, and I, and I was doing a couple of other sketches, and, and she and I worked together on, on a sketch. Yeah. And she became a patient of Dr. Katz's. Mm. Yeah, she was wonderful. Yeah. Can I ask you this? This is a weird question. I'm a big bumbling idiot. Um. <laughs> is that the premise for the story? Is it, it's a, a sad confession. <laughs> and that has nothing to do with it? Right. I just want to be the representative of bumbling idiots everywhere right. who can feel uncomfortable when they talk to people with disabilities. Well, it makes people uncomfortable. It does. It does. Yeah. But you know, it's what, weird. But, but the, weird like, I want to know what, what, what should we know? I want to know what you well, have to say to that. When I'm, when I'm on my scooter, I use an electric scooter sometimes in Newton to get around. Mm-hmm. And if I bump into a woman pushing a baby carriage, hmm. she will apologize to me. It's interesting. Yeah. Just because it makes people so uncomfortable. Right. When you, yeah, you're bumping into an infant. Yeah. And that, that shows yeah. the priority. Like, what are the mistakes people are making? Like, I can, I can, if she's breastfeeding, <laughs> I can pull up to her and yank the baby's mouth off her nipple. <laughs> and, t- and she will apologize to me. 
as you begin to take your shift. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what it, see, like even the term disabled makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, am I supposed to say differently abled? Because, you know, it's I went much, to it's much CFS. Better than, it's much better than invalid because if you spell it out, that means invalid. I know. That's yeah. my least favorite. What is is invalid still being thrown around? That's with the swashbucklers. Yeah, that's, I don't think it's a very popular term now. In uh, in Paris, on the subways, there's signs because it's the law that you have to stand up for w- wounded war veterans. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the word in French is uh, mutilé, so it's stand up for mutilated people. Um, Wait, it translates it? Yeah, that's the f- actual translation. What a weird oh. cause. Yeah, so uh, if someone who's walks on is mutilated, you have to stand up and give your seat to them. That's that's not a good phrase. No, terrible. Not a good phrase. Yeah. Well, it's funny, Doctor Katz, because I like calling you Doctor Katz. <laughs> okay. It's funny, Doctor Katz, because you said uh, retarded earlier, which we're we're all from Boston, so retard is like being thrown around like it's going out of style. But I know that that word's on the way out. If they make a Mad Men about our time, it's all Diet Coke with aspartame and calling people retards just to like timestamp this right. time because we have five more years with with retard. In fact, I don't even like saying it anymore. No. But it was interesting. See, that that's my baby carriage. When you say it, I don't correct you. I'm like, he has MS. But if another <laughs> guest said retard, I'd be like, you shouldn't say that. We're going to get people are going to be offended that we said retard. No, I, in fact, I have, my wife has a cousin who's uh <laughs> The joke. We all know what the joke is. We all know what the joke is. I can't tell you. We all know the joke. (laughs) I thought for sure you were going to say, who is a retard? No, he's not. (laughs) He's just um, a very sweet guy. And he thinks (laughs) that the Boston Red Sox. No, no. I have have a shot this year or whatever. (laughs) Thank you for helping me out. Yes, I'm trying to draft the joke. The adrenaline is going through me right now. There is no joke. He's just a nice guy. Yes, of course. So, but I mean, that, what is that bullshit? That was me treating you differently. You know what I mean? When? When I didn't correct you for saying retard. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I get it. Yeah, I understand that. But like, I'm trying I, – I, because it's uncomfortable, and that's the name of the show, I'd right. rather I'd rather stay in that area. Well, you know, I've heard you describe either you or somebody else on your show talk about this incredibly wonderful world of discomfort Yeah, where comedy lives. Yeah, and, it's a good and place. And when I did my uh, – when I recorded my one and only CD, Jonathan Katz Caffeinated – also, the film. <laughs> um, it's called caffeinated. Yeah, I thought maybe it was caffeinated. No, caffeinated because <laughs> it's about my. It's based on my love of coffee, and even wrote a love song to coffee. But um, <laughs> I opened the show by saying I've been making people uncomfortable for more than twenty five years, and it's true. That's what it, that's what that's I do for a living. Yeah. Well, we're supposed to shine. I, the weird thing about the podcast, and I know as podcasters, the idea is that like we can go down on stage. This would never fly. Like we would, right. we would have never said the whole uh, talking about words you're not supposed to say because that would bring things to a halt and all that sort of stuff. Dirty Yiddish would would bring it to a screeching halt and right. all that sort of stuff. But it is interesting. There is funny stuff and there is important stuff at the end of a weird hallway that was paved with just a lot of discomfort. Right. So uh, that is honestly selfishly, I was like. Uh, see again, do, is differently abled better than disabled? No. Okay, so as a disabled person, what should knuckleheads like me know? No, you're fucking fucked relax. up. <laughs> you're all fucked up. <laughs> is that a reference? No, it just I, <laughs> it, you could refer to him. You that could way. refer to me as fucked up. 
um, because you know my body, my my central nervous system is fucked up. Yes, but you know it's still able to function in a very high. I like to think of myself as a high functioning uh, heroin addict, <laughs> even though it's Tylenol at PM is my drug of choice. Uh, do you love a good Tylenol PM? No, I'm. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I have the weirdest follow-up questions. Yeah. This no, is what I, we're talking about. I'm no, like, no, uh, when I when I checked into the hotel where Tom and I are staying in different rooms, because <laughs> um, <laughs> we're, diff- we're differently abled. Um, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> when I checked in, there was a pill on the floor that somebody had left behind, and it's either rat poison or ecstasy. And every night I play this game with myself: Am I going to take a chance tonight? <laughs> Because if it's rat poison, I, I want to ask if that's true. Is that it true? is true? It, it is, is true. true. I've yeah. seen the pill. I have a photo of the pill. If you want there's, to there's no writing on the film. On no, the pill. there's no markings. It's just a capsule. As is, if your body is fucked up, do you become more and more aware of the idea of yourself versus your body? Yes. Like philosophically, yeah, the I idea do. of you. I know. I know that I live in my head. I've always known that. Yes, but it's become more do. become more of a of an issue. Yes. Because there are things I can no longer do with my body that I used to be able to do. Yes. One thing I can do now with, with pretty much no uncertainty is I can, there's no man who can beat me at arm wrestling. Hmm. And you look like you're pretty fit. Well, I appreciate that. Okay. Now, can you try one second? Yeah, sure. But just count to three. And regardless of, of how strong <laughs> you think you are, I'm going to win. One, two, three. Girl style. <laughs> I can't lose. I cannot lose. <laughs> it's a podcast. You oh. yielded oh. and yelled girl style? Yeah, because I'm... I'm You're pulling me down. Pulling you down, yeah. <laughs> and actually, and actually hurt, girl style. And actually hurt my back in the process. It's really pathetic. I, we usually say, we will say religion to the end, but is there... I have to imagine, even if you're not a religious or spiritual person, that there must be an increased longing... As the body is failing you in this way, this specific way, right. to be like, well, I'm a soul and this this is just my, as we say, as Duncan Trussell says, this is just my meat spaceship and I'm visiting this world in this thing and there it needs some repairs, but fuck it, I'm so much more than this. And? Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like either and when we yeah. go with that or it's or I don't believe in that no, at I, all. I, I don't believe in, I, I mean, I think I'm a spiritual person mm. but did that surprise you Tom? it did yeah I'm good but I don't believe in anything above and beyond the tooth fairy you you cap it at the tooth you put yeah, that, a tooth cap on it yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm trapped in my brain too Dr. Cap it's okay <laughs> so it's a nice you, place to visit but I wouldn't want to live there <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you said we. I live in my head, and we all do. I, I, yeah. I, it's it's comedians and and artistic people, creative people, even people that aren't necessarily creating a craft of art. I think there are still creative people that are also trapped in their heads a little bit. And that, is that where you end it, or you go like you're rationally and consciously aware of your body being separate from your mind, or is it your body being separate from your soul? My mind is, I think. Separate from my soul. I mean, my mind, my brain is is part of my body. My yes. mind is something less tangible. That's pure Chomsky. Is it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, inform me. I'm going to try to talk as little as possible because I don't know anything about this. Well, it's just the cognitive res- uh, revolution sort of discovered this thing called the mind, you know, that uh, was separate from... 
the brain. Yeah. Tell, tell me what that means. Well, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me what that. Let's let's talk about what that could mean. Let's put it in our own words or whatever. There's we with the brain create a consciousness that's separate. That's not necessarily God breathing a soul into us or whatever. But we've we've transcended our our form or whatever. Well, I guess the, you know the linguists were more talking about we're all born with this meta language in us. Yes. So if a Martian met any of us, uh, and whether you were talking Swahili or you're uh, Eskimo, it would all seem like shades of difference right. to them, uh, that we all have basically the same mental uh, hardware. Right. And so we're all really similar uh, that way. And the linguistics goes so deep, it really controls the way you think. <laughs> you know, it's not just the way you do grammar. <laughs> right. And so it, it goes deep. It's not just how you put sentences together. Right. It's There's this thing... They, they refer to a sort of deep structure that uh, makes people wonder. As a matter of fact, for a while, they were wondering if you're a Hungarian, say, mm-hmm. do you think because of the, not just the vocabulary of Hungarian, but because of the way the sentences are, you know, but the deep, deep structure in the language, right. does it make you more prone to democracy or less? You know? Right. I would, I would say that it does. Like language inhibits and enables us in different ways. Something yeah. that I used to think when I was in church was that we often sing about God being above us because above rhymes with love, you know, like that sort of stuff. So yeah. like we, we want to sing about God's love and then therefore we're going to sing about him being above us, which is not a biblical idea. Just to rhyme. What's that? Just for the rhyme. Yeah, that's, that's But if the word grace was above, would be singing about something much more meaningful, something we should be focusing on instead of where God is. What does God know? He's down below. <laughs> what is that? I oh, you just did. Yeah, I was like, if you could have gone the other way. Cause, oh, Katie, yes. I, I can tell from here you're playing Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> no? Also, the, the number of songs with phone and alone, will ne- it'll never stop growing. It'll never stop growing. Right. And good songwriters, Bob Dylan does it all the time, phone alone. It's like waiting by the phone alone. Uh, I, anyway. I have a visual question, but I must ask you since you brought it up. Sure. There's this trope in all movies and sitcoms, and my wife says, no, they don't do that anymore. They do. Any sitcom, any movie, any TV show, when someone gets hung up on yes. on the phone, they look at the phone before yes. they hang out. Yes, yes, they look at it. And they never say goodbye. Well, yeah. that's another phenomenon. That's another yeah. phenomenon. That, I, that one, I think, is informing us. I had a phone call today that I ended without saying goodbye, and I was like, it's because I watched The Wire. So that's one. And two, looking at the phone. Looking at the phone. But it's almost like an acting technique that you feel like you're not a very good actress or actor. Unless. Unless you look at the phone as a way of expressing how much you feel about it. Yes. But nobody looks at the phone when they get hung up on. Yeah. Well, well, unless it's your cell phone, you want to know if it's a bars situation well, that's new. or whatever. Yeah, that's, new. that's new. I, I agree right. with but you. But this started in the 30s. You look at the phone. Honey, honey. Well, what's informing what? They said in New York when uh, when Goodfellas came out, uh, or I'm sorry, maybe it was The Godfather. It was The Godfather or Goodfellas that the people spying on the real-life mobsters noticed that they were talking differently. They started talking like the movie. So our language, our Hungarian informs how we're thinking. Yeah, movies, movies, I bet I'm more likely to look at my phone because someone hung up on me because of the movie. I'll tell you, also, if I'm on one of those old-school phones, like you know the real receiver phones, Whenever someone in a movie hangs up one of those phones, they have like a really poignant conversation. They like they let it fall in their thumb and they like dangle it a little bit and then hang it up a very yes. certain way yes. that I learned from these shows. But that being said, do we have souls? 
<laughs> I want to know, do you really hang up on someone without saying goodbye? I th- I'm physically incapable of that. Now, I've, I've just started doing it. Wow. It's like outliers. I'm young enough that you can still affect. Like, my, my brother will never get Netflix yeah. because he's two years older than me. <laughs> but I'm just young enough that I'll be like, You're, you love weed and television. You should get Netflix. <laughs> um, do you know that even the mafia is controlled by the mob? I need to know what that means. Uh, it's a David Mamet joke. I'm sorry, it's a little too cryptic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I will grill you on Mamet. I swear to God. I, I have to tell you a joke of his that became a joke of mine because he's generous that way. Okay. Uh, former Vice President Al Gore was on Martha's Vineyard, and while he was there, he was bitten by a tick. The tick came down with chronic fatigue syndrome. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. That's very, very funny. You tell him if he ever gives a shit about me. Which never. He's informed. I was just Joe DeRosa just did the podcast, and we we are huge Mammoth fans. We love Glenn Gary. I've I've seen it a thousand million times. I've seen it in, in Chicago, the Steppenwolf. I've seen it in New York, and I've seen the movie a million times. And it it informed my comedy profoundly because of the way that the the sales guys speak is so persuasive right. and stuff. Right. The way that the way that you say, and this is something that like people have noticed about my standup or whatever. And I always read it and, I, and I, I, I'm like, oh, that's Mammoth. Like I learned that from Mammoth. Saying, do you understand? Like listen to me. All that sort right. of stuff. That's Mammoth. It's right. all Mammoth. And like don't fuck with me, fella. It affects my life. Like right. fuck do I care, George? You know, like fuck do I care, George? All that I, I got to go see about a fella. It's this funny way of talking that there's a lot of us. Yeah. And I mean stand-up comedians that are like, yeah, Mammoth taught us how to like be like direct kind of like cock-sucking comedians that are like, shut yeah. up. Listen. Hey. You know, like that. Oh, I love it. He's really huge you know who, influence of mine. You know who's the, uh, the the person who doesn't, who's not an actress, but she should be, only because she can't finish a sentence, <laughs> and, and that's what a lot of mammoth actors do. Yes, it's my mother-in-law. Is that true? Yeah, I'll be my mother-in-law. Ask me anything. Uh, how's your fillet? I can. But ask me one more thing. Do you want anything to drink? Uh, Daddy said that. <laughs> I mean, it's. I shouldn't make fun of her. She's eighty-six years old. She's yes. lonely. She's alone. Yes. Well, that's the truth of it, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it was funnier when she was just a nobody yeah. to me. But she has the affect of this lamp. <laughs> John, how do you, how can you say that? Because you know she listens to this podcast. Yeah, she's a big podcast uh, animal. Will David Mamet do the show? I've never done that before. Tried to book another know. guest while I'm talking to a guest, but you know. ask him, text him for me. Uh, but let, let's stay on this. I, in, I, I hope it's a little uncomfortable. This is a nice area. The idea of ourself being something more than our body, that's an interesting thought. And, and yeah. I, I feel like uh, we sidetracked it. The difference between me, you, Katie, and Tom is that Tom is the most literate guy I know. Yes. Cool. Um Katie, I know that you study the Torah. The Talmud. The Talmud. She stopped after four. But, <laughs> but Tom is really, he's a scientist and a scholar, among other things. Well, then maybe we should put it to him. So, Tom, will you answer that question, please? There, and by the way, this is not, this is 0.0% me putting either of you on the spot. I, want, I like talking about it together. This isn't like, you better have a good answer. I'm interested. Do you have a scientific mind? I do. Is it safe to assume that you think when this is over, we're done? Yes. Okay. Incredibly safe to think that. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but I would... 
<laughs> your directness is hilarious. Thank you. No Jewish Quakers, and it's over, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but and you're uh, not that, talking about the podcast. You're talking about life. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about life. And right. the podcast is over. Right. Is there anything <laughs> else? But I uh, that thing about everybody lives in their head or creative people live in their head. Yeah. Uh, I am so in my head, I can't even get out enough to wonder about the body versus the head. <laughs> it, you know, I don't, I, I, so, I, sometimes I don't know if I'm hungry or not. I, it, oh, that's really, oh, yeah. you're like a machine. Yeah, I'm a, very geeky. I was, I'm a computer guy. Who has the dysfunction then? The science guy whose rational brain is so buff and strong and mm-hmm. rational and reason and proving and, and, and uh, I don't even know the words. I was yes. looking for provable. Uh-huh. Uh, objective, you know, uh-huh. quantifiable. I'm trying to sound smart now. Or the like in down in Spain, <laughs> open linen T-shirt writing poetry whose soul is coming through his eyes so bad that you get a sunburn looking at him. He's an idiot because he believes in everything and the sunset speaks of, of redemption and grace and everlasting life. And you're, you can't remember to eat breakfast, but everything you know has a one or a zero to I it. I think I'm the big loser on that uh uh, co- comparison because what they're finding out is that a, a truly powerful cognition requires emotion. In other words, you can't make great decisions without your emotions in, informing them. Holy shit. And this is not just philosophical theory that, you know, this is all brain work. I, I'm laughing because I gave Jonathan a tiny water and I have a huge water. Yeah, Do you fair. want a water as well? I got oh, a huge water. Please, please keep going. So, so, oh, oh, sorry. That was water. <laughs> so, emotion informs our ability to think? To, to think uh, well, uh, clearly, uh, reliably, right. uh, to, be, to, to do well in everything. <laughs> and in physics, to do well in everything. So like Einstein was probably in touch with his emotions. He was. Yeah. yeah. Like a passionate person. Yeah, he was passionate. He slept with his cousin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a well, who didn't? You know, Me back then. Yeah, but I mean, if you're fucking your cousin, you probably really liked your cousin. Yeah, yeah. But then he made a pretty weird choice. I don't know why. Well, he married her then. Oh, he did. I, yeah. So he did the right wrong thing. Yeah. I don't know why Jewish comedians always bring up Adolf Hitler, but why is it that Eva Braun kept her her maiden name? <laughs> they only married in the last four seconds of her life. In the bunker. But yeah. wouldn't you want to become Mrs. Hitler for those four seconds? Maybe she did. <laughs> oh. There's no record. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, joining us tonight, Mr. <laughs> Mrs. Hitler. Oh, Jesus. Please be the first to help me welcome Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> Hitler. Everyone applauds. Uh, I couldn't be more interested in that. So you're aware... I, I use the term dysfunction because I have no better. I have no. I'm being as smart as I can be right now. Yes. And it's not that great. Well, sometimes Tom and I will describe people at who have um, some. And autism has a very broad range. And Asperger's mm-hmm. spectrum. Spectrum. Those are the people at MIT. The Asperger's high functioning right. Asperger's. Right. Right. So these these guys that can maybe invent something or cure something that sort of special it's okay those that sort of like special uh, special kind of intelligence yes. but you do I hear you correctly and then it, it's not envy maybe but a respect for the for the other guy the painter I'm picturing the father character in Vicky Cristina Barcelona Javier Bardem's father yeah who who you brought to mind earlier because in the movie he refuses to learn English because he doesn't want to pollute his brain because he believes Spanish is the most beautiful language in the world yeah. which again was speaking to your point earlier so already was on my mind and now I'm using him as the example of just that 
passionate lover, old man drinking wine from one of the bottles that doesn't have a candle melting in it yeah. as he paints a nude, a tasteful nude. But the thing is, which dimension are you talking about uh, as far as what's good? Because what's happy yes. um, can be di- disturbing. There was that study recently done, an, an international study where they had a questionnaire, a do- you know, what do they call it, a, an instrument that they did. A survey? Know, in, it was a survey. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they thought that the happiest people were going to be the sort of lit, uh, Latin European countries, you know, where, mm-hmm. with the wine and mm-hmm. the, and they found out that it was like um, the the Swiss and the Danish be, uh, because uh, the infrastructure worked in their world, and that makes people happy. Really, just o- being able. Ovaltine to... doesn't hurt. <laughs> Ovaltine. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows that reference? And Nutella. <laughs> what, is, what is Nutella? I, when I think of uh, Denmark, or you said the Dutch, right? Yeah. When I think of it, Nutella is like a hazelnut chocolate spread oh. that is popular everywhere but here. But people <laughs> want shit to work. They want to count on being able to go out to a bank, go out to a train, yes. go out and get water, electricity, and right. stuff. And the people who don't have that, even if they have these marvelous, passionate, poetic lives, but they can't rely on the necessities of life. Are fucking miserable. Is it? It's so. It's community. It's bigger than community. It's infrastructure. Yes. It's the, the, the highway is working. Yes. It's the bank working. Yeah. So it's kind of the you know. So I was interesting. Saying, you're looking at this dimension of which is better to be you know. Really well, you want to talk about happiness. You being in your head, I have to imagine that decreases your happiness. Totally. Do you have children? Yes, two. You know, I just saw this about happiness: is that marriage it tends to increase your happiness, children tends to decrease your happiness. Yeah, that, Isn't that, that weird? Sense. But children increases the likelihood that you'll remain married. Yes. I don't know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> this isn't. This is a, like. It this, certainly increases the f- the fact that you'll remain alive. You, you have something children. to live for. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Well, you're less likely to gamble on rat poison versus extra. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the, where is that pill right now? It's in my room. Yeah. Unless. God, if it's in your pocket, it might get hot enough in <laughs> for you to absorb it. Yeah. Um, Keith, how old are you? 33. You, you have such a uh, curious mind. Uh, I can for two hours every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, no, you're su- you're surprising us. Me. You, 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 su- you study religion, though, right? That- I did. Yeah, I'd love, I love I love talking about religion, but that's what I was doing in Israel. But that's where it started to fall apart. Was the religion? I want to know. You feel more intelligence, more introverted, more rational, less happy. Is that something? Maybe I could put that to you, Jonathan. Do you think? Do you ever think that your brain, your comedic brain, your creative brain, is inhibiting? Your ability to maybe be just like a little bit more simple and a little bit more yeah, more loving, more, more loving, yeah, easier to live with. Hmm. Um, you mean for your wife and family? Yeah, yeah. But um, you're one of the most sociable guys I know. I, I am extraordinarily social. Social? I don't know about sociable. <laughs> What's the difference? Well, you call me thirty-five, forty times a day. Well, I that's because that I'm is. lonely. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, but I, I I will approach a stranger rather than be alone. You know, just right. You know, and sometimes it's a little creepy for them. Well, you want to talk about happiness? It, it's it's our 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 desire to like be together. Like right. it's huge. Right. So that's actually kind of good. But I tell you what, I will not do. I will never have sex with a woman with a woman other than my wife in a way that threatens our national security, <laughs> because I am not David Petraeus. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is such a relief to see you. I'm sure. <sighs> I don't know. For me personally, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't trade my brain. I think I'm in the running for a, a great life. I hope so. And my brain is definitely in the way some of the time. But I don't think I would change it for anything. That has to be valuable. I have to imagine both of you are that way. Even if you can sit here and tell me that your overactive brain is overactive to the extent that you can be like, I bet I would be happier if it were less active. You wouldn't if you had that genie with the lamp that we talked you're right. about. You're right. I don't think I would. I would. You wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Because you're funny. The devil you know. The devil you know. You're fucking right. Yeah. I wrote a song, which I'm embarrassed to admit, called I Get a Real Kick Out of Me. And I do. What are we, brothers? Yeah. I'm a big self-celebrator. You do? Yeah. I love that. Do you? I also get an enormous kick out of my wife and my daughters. Can you tell me about that? That's my other big interest. I love religion and I love relationships. And I was well, just in therapy today talking about it. Well, the thing, <laughs> thing about my wife is that she's ridiculously silly. Hmm. And I never know what's going to strike her as funny. That's great. My daughters are both... Fat, funnier than me and faster than me, mm-hmm. and they see my jokes coming a mile away. Yeah, I, they don't mind because they love me, but <laughs> they also don't. They don't doesn't strike them as funny. They're just quicker than me. That's great. But your yeah. wife, because she's not coming at you head on, you found this anomaly. You found this person that will always be tickled by you, right? And right, you but, by her. But but it's not not because I have a clever joke, right? It's because. I ask a bizarre question or look at her in an odd way. Yes. Well, that sounds like she delights in yeah. who you are. Yeah. Not some performance you're doing. Right. That sounds pretty great. How- or another way to put it is she doesn't pay to get in. She doesn't. Jesus, fuck. Free podcast? This is a free podcast. You know people download this for free? Really? <laughs> Neither of you are being paid. I don't know if anyone told That's you. crazy. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> She doesn't. Please. That is one of those. Yeah. That's a life changer for me. She doesn't pay for admission. She's just already there. Right. She gets it. She understands the cosmic joke. Right. For thirty years we've been together. Wow. Can I? And I have please. to. Say, it just keeps getting longer. <laughs> <laughs> is it okay? So it's it's interesting that marriage. When I, when I heard that data that marriage makes people happier, typically, that surprised me. I thought people were going to be like, oh, it's better to be – here I am a single man and, and you know I can go and do whatever I want. And that sounds pretty nice. But like we're social creatures. You're, you're saying, especially you, you're talking to strangers and you're calling – oops, sorry. And you're calling Tom 30 times a day. So it must, marriage the, must be a pretty nice fit. The downside is that when, when, I, when I realized that I needed another pair of socks – I had to go to American Eagle and ask the guy there, because my wife wasn't around, if I can wear white socks with black sneakers. I'm going to think that's a no. What did American... Uh-oh. The guy... <laughs> you know what the guy's answer was? He said, look, I'm from Chicago. Is that what he said? Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> and that meant... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it meant. Look, we're we're playing, you know, slightly different sports being different ages. But yeah. I was I had an intervention recently where I was told no more white socks unless you're at the gym. So for those listening, there's your LA fashion tip. <laughs> what? We, this has been the most kicky table. I've kicked it. I'm wearing dark socks today. I'm wearing black socks but today. Who does your sneakers? Who does my sneakers? <laughs> uh, who are you wearing today? <laughs> oh my God. I'm wearing me. And where does that begin or end? <laughs> right. Uh, oh, so Katie, is that a three-piece ensemble? Bleh. Un- ensemble. There's a three-piece ensemble. Are you, are you wearing a three-piece ensemble? Yeah. Okay. Katie's wearing Chucks. 
Are those na- are those really Chuck All Stars? Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, is that like a variation on Converse? That was the original. No, oh. those are them. Ch- they're Chuck Taylors made by Converse. Right? And Taylor. Are those uh, the, uh, Lee denim jeans or Lucky? Lucky is the brand name. Nice. Nicely done. And do you have? And this is none of my business. A tattoo. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. I because, take my shirt off. I just because you, you know, if you have a tattoo, you can't be uh, buried in a Jewish cemetery, which I I have no desire to do that to you now anyway. <laughs> it's just so young and vital. <laughs> so let uh, the the wife question. You're happily married. Yes. That's wonderful. Tom, and you're also, you're married? Yes, just for the uh, record, I also love my wife. Uh, You can go on the record. And when the singularity happens, they can reconstruct your personality based on this interview. And when I ask the hologram that is you, you'll go, yes, I love my wife in the same way. That's what your great-grandchildren will be talking to. You believe in the singularity. Here's hope, and I mean, there's no God, right? What does that that mean, mean, the singularity? What does that phrase mean? When everything sort of comes to, well, the universe... Either cult, you know expands the infinite or comes back in. And, yeah, right. it's when the rate of technology, like this phone, when we, in the seventies when I was born, would have been in a wing of MIT, and now it's in my pocket. And then right. the technology will keep progressing to the point where we can't keep up with it anymore. Like we're already like, I just bought the iPhone five, and the iPhone five S is out tomorrow. Like it, it, that'll stop happening. It'll just keep improving right. itself. And then, so when we die and we meet our maker, do you think it's going to be Steve Jobs? <laughs> he'll definitely he'll definitely be high fiving Steve Jobs. Yeah. That's for sure. But the thing is, is that that comes down. This actually speaks to what we were talking about one topic before. But I won't forget to talk about marriage. Is the idea that uh, Korg is his name? I believe. The oh. guy who made the keyboards and basically... Oh, Kurzweil. 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 Uh, I was Kurt. just about to mention he him. He lives yeah. in Newton. Weird. See, I'm the kind of idiot that I'm like, oh, see, there's electrical things and you mentioned this. No, but the Korg is another keyboard, but he... Yeah, I don't. But he it. now believes that we're just... Who, Korg? Uh, no, <laughs> Ray Kurzweil, who yes. I know. No, yeah. you don't. Yeah. Get him on the show. <laughs> okay. But he believes that we're... Um, this is this flesh stage uh, is just part of our evolution. Right, of course. Yeah. Because we'll soon. Yeah, I'm so happy. I can't believe you know about this. Please keep going. Yeah, I don't know much about it except the obvious that uh, um, you know we have our brain has developed this network, and the network is going to get bigger and bigger and smarter and more powerful, and there'll be less and less need for our bodies. Right. And uh, where does it stop? Because except I just don't know. You see, yeah, the net can is going to be smart enough to power itself, and uh, right. So. That's so he's very he's looking forward to it and he's trying to preserve his body. He's trying to survive. Yeah, and he thinks all he's going to live to 350 400 and, and he right. hasn't created a, a a virtual version of his father. That's what he wants to do. Although the, the the arc of the movie tries to really hinge his creative process on wanting to bring his father back. That's why I was only partially joking that you could reconstruct my personality based on this podcast. No, but I think yeah. in real life Kurtzwell is trying to create an avatar of his father. Oh. No, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But I, I have a Kurzweil keyboard, and it's fantastic. Ha! Really, truly. He made, he, everything he makes. Because he started making that reading machine for the blind. That yes. was his first and thing. did he make the Moog synthesizer? Was that No, that was Moog. Actually, guy Moog? Last, yeah. guy had a guy named Moog? Yeah. But this is an interesting thing. I'm 33, so I will probably, you know, bus be damned if I'm not hit by a bus, live to 20, I think it's 2027. So what are you guessing your age will be? 
when the singularity happens? No, no, no. The how, how old are you assuming you'll live to? Oh, I don't know. That's oh. a, see, but then like, what is life? I've already had this fake conversation with my consciousness. Okay. Yeah, I've already fantasized about the idea of someone talking to me. And what I would say is I'm here. I'm talking to you in the way that I would have talked to you in 2012 when I was 33. But am I really here? I don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. I don't have a dick. I'm not hungry. I, I can't really. What, what Am I there? That's what we were talking about. Yeah. Is this brain, is this computer me? I'm a soul guy. That's because it's partly because I want to be a soul guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It delights me. I'm using that word deliberately. It delights me when you're like, we're dead. It's over. I want Stephen Hawking's in my room of religion. He's in my church. You know what I mean? So I'm ready to throw it all away, but I'm also so on board for people to be like, everything means everything. And we all have souls and we're eternal. And you're a reincarnation of this. And that's why you love the blues and all this sort Tom, of stuff. You, you should tell Pete about your experience with Stephen Hawking. Well, he ran over my foot. Yeah. <laughs> He did. And that was a heavy no, fucking machine. It's he like, it's did? Not, what is your big scooter weigh, John? Do you happen to know the specs on 350 that? 350 pounds, and it goes. It really goes 110 or 11. No. Or 11. Oh. <laughs> the, the, meters, the, the speedometer says 110. But he has a big scooter, you know, that yes. uh, with it all looks his like, gear. It looks like a, a Vespa, but it has four wheels. That's yours. Your scooter. Yeah. 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 Not the one I arrived on today, but at home. I didn't see the one you were on today. Oh, the one I'm on today is tiny. You can put it in the back of your pocket. <laughs> what I was going to say about Ray Kurzweil yes, is I please. think he's an example of a guy who lives in his head, incredibly bright, is not informed by emotions. Mm. And so maybe he's not making the most rational uh, choices about uh, this whole evolutionary toward electronic, you know, toward the digital human. Right. I don't think he's. I don't think he's capable of making great um, cognitive leaps. That, that's my feeling. That's interesting it. because he's he's uh, he doesn't have what you have. So you got to. What do I have? Well, you have. <laughs> you have an emotional life. Yeah, you, <laughs> I'm guessing. Isn't that what you're talking about? That he's missing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he probably thinks he has an emotional life, and he probably has a rationalization for it. But right. you know, he's not—he's not really. It's funny. He's comfortable mm-hmm. in his own skin. Are you comfortable in your own skin? It's inter- it's a pursuit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a pursuit. I just went to a club in Atlanta, where there—I wish I could remember the name of it. It was one of the best nights of my life. Me and my friend Chris Thayer went. Was to it this- a comedy club? We we performed it at, at the, the punchline. We weren't at the punchline. We were at a place called the Relapse Theater. We did a show. This was right. this was uh, what's today Monday. This was this was uh, on Saturday night, and we went to this club in Atlanta, and it was like just the biggest dive bar I've ever been to, but in the best way. There were old, thicker strippers, okay, and it, it's not a strip club. There just happened to be old, thicker oh, strippers out there. there. Yeah, just, but dancing, so oh, they're, really? they're naked. You mean thicker? They've thickened with age. Yeah, they're they're bigger girls. Yeah. Uh, not not to the point of like uh, you know carnival mm-hmm. sort of levels, but you're not, like you're like that's not a traditional stripper, and they're just blasting fun, like Parliament and James. Brown and stuff. And wow. my friend Chris Chris cool. there, who's a hilarious comedian, right. was dancing oh, so cliche, but like no one was watching. Mm. And that inspired me. I was dancing too. I love dancing, but like I'm also I'm a tall man. I'm like a lighthouse. Everybody can kind of see my moves. I, right. I don't really blend in. So it's hard for me to shut off that inner monologue. One of the goals of my life is to learn how to do that without uh, I'm not a big drug guy. I, I do like alcohol, but I don't really do it for that purpose. But I'm trying to shut off my brain. I'm trying to right. get into what, I, what we're talking about that uh, Kurtzwell doesn't necessarily have that human heartbeat that like I'm dancing. I'm 
you know, kissing a baby and eat this pineapple. Well, as I think as <laughs> Ken Kesey said, you're perfect because he said, you know, guys like you who are incredibly introspective, you know, to a to an extreme point. Yes. As who isn't, but uh, said you'll never go crazy. You'll just be fucking miserable, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the concern, isn't yeah. it? That's comforting, isn't it? Well, well, we want these brains, as you yeah. said, Jonathan, that we wouldn't right. trade it. But we also would like to be able to be like my friend Chris and dance to funk music next to a topless gay black man that complimented his moves. Was he was a big uh, deal for him? Was he on substances? He that wasn't. Allowed him to he wasn't. No. Well, yeah. when you mention ecstasy and stuff, that is like, have you taken mushrooms? Oh, well, yeah, mushrooms I took years ago. Similar to, uh, I believe it's similar to ecstasy. I don't know. It's similar to acid. Have you taken acid? These ego lit, that was a nod <laughs> the podcast. I nodded out. <laughs> <laughs> These ego diminishing things I think are good for us, can be good for us. I've only done mushrooms five or six times in my life, but every time I've been like, oh, this is what it feels like to lose my brain and just be my mind. Mm-hmm. And, and not even be my mind, just be a consciousness. Be you. You listen to NPR stuff. Have they do ever, a lot of stuff. Have you ever had nitri- nitrous oxide from a dentist? <laughs> I've I've had nitrous oxide from a comedian. Oh, <laughs> like a, like a whippet. Like a whippet. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I did whippets right after my divorce. No, because if you can find a dentist who administers nitrous oxide, it's a very controlled way to escape your mind. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, so you enjoyed it. Yeah. So you got a steady flow of nitrous, not like a whippet. Yeah, but steady but controlled. I just had five fillings done, and I was so terrified I found a dentist who did nitrous. You can't find many of them because no one wants to do it anymore because it escapes into the air and it's bad for the dentist. Uh, You know what they call nitrous oxide? The um, laughing laughing gas. And I I asked my dentist when when I was first using it, I said, what do they call it? Laughing gas. And he said something, and I was hysterical. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's true. That's like the funniest thing I ever heard. When will I stop falling for these every time? No, I, 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 I've actually never told that joke to anyone but Tom. Yeah, we just yet. Yeah, but I was telling yeah. John the guy's drilling, and I'm thinking, shit, don't start drilling because I'm totally conscious. I'm, yes, I can feel everything. Yes, and so he's drilling away, and he's on my fifth tooth, and I'm thinking, I catch myself thinking, geez, I got to do this more often. Yeah. Because it shut your brain off. I was so happy. It shut your beautiful scientific brain off. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, okay, it's hard to, you know, you know what's great about the show is we don't have any, we can advocate drugs if we want to. Yeah. There's something, I meditate, I try and get into that space naturally. It's not, <laughs> it's not as potent, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? But I think there is a path. I have to believe there's a path. Again, I don't do I don't do mushrooms often. It's been over a year since I've done them, and I don't really necessarily want to do them. What I do want to do is learn how to consistently shut it down a little bit. Right. I have to imagine kids help. Yeah, take you out of yourself a little bit. Oh, you got these things, totally. right? Yeah, yeah it's it, in a good way. Yeah, that was the first time I ever said I know I am alive. Is that right? Totally. I'm going to just jump off a bridge. Well, I think that's kid. beautiful. That's beautiful. Have a kid. I, I, I will look at my face. Don't I look like a, hi, I'm dad. Like, it feels like a dad kind of vibe. I, I would love to be a dad, and I will be a dad. Something goes wrong if I'm not a dad. But mm-hmm. that's beautiful. So you knew it while you were alive. I have to imagine. It don't talk about while we were alive. <laughs> as if we're no longer alive. Uh, Jeez. <laughs> 
but and be there when he's born or she's born. Yes, be there. Yeah, of course. I'm not Don Draper. I'll be there. Yeah, I'm going to watch the whole mess. Don Draper, did they show? He's. It's actually a great Is that episode. That in one of the shows. Betty. It's a great episode. Speaking of hallucinogens, she's on all these weird oh, yeah. anesthetics that make her trip. And uh, he's in the in the waiting room with a marine drinking scotch. That's right. And it's a great episode. And they bond really, really tight, really, really quickly because it's such an intense thing. But yeah, you got to be in the room. But that I don't. I, I almost just felt like afraid that I would offend you. But you would felt like that's a spiritual thing, or like a for lack of a better word, like a beautiful thing, a well, gorgeous thing. I've said this out loud in front of my wife, so I don't have to worry about saying it now. I had no idea what love was. Until my son was born, he was my first, and then my daughter, and the yes. same thing. No idea. I thought I'll never love anybody. I don't. It's, I don't know how to do it. Really? It was so simple. The son's born. He's perfect. Doctor came and said, "You want him circumcised?" I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, you Destro- didn't want to cut any. Per- he's perfect. Yeah, he's perfect. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, but and you were you there for both Julian? Yeah. I, I for Julian, when Amy yeah. was born. <laughs> Uh, that's my daughter. <laughs> no, I, I was, I, I was, I was there when Julia was born, and oddly enough, Susie was with Julia when her daughter was born. Yes, just yeah, my I, granddaughter. I Susie is Susie's my wife. Your wife. Julia's my daughter, and Julia just gave birth to a little girl named Thea. Oh, that I saw the picture of. Right, and my wife. It, it, she went into labor. My my daughter on the Mass Pike. Oh my God! So it was a very tense trip to the hospital and my wife met them there hmm. so she, she wanted to be there yeah so were you present when your children were born somebody had to keep an eye on eye in the house <laughs> <laughs> and I, have a, I have a dog and a bird to protect <laughs> but this uh I, I know it's weird to minimize children to the level of it's so it's so narcissistic to be like oh maybe a kid would help me stop just sitting around thinking about having that conversation where i'm in the singularity and speaking as a hologram to somebody, that's not really necessary. Well, I almost wish I hadn't said it to you because no, I had Which no part? idea that that it was, you know, that was a time when you can really feel love and outside yeah. because it w- you're going to have kids anyway. Yeah. You'll discover this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so why? Well, you can, t- you, you can tell me and, and... And you'll forget. I will forget. Good. And it, it is just a general idea and I believe it's one of the things you have to experience. Yeah. But you have them and that's real. Is that chemical though? It's got to be chemical. The smell of your children and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, some of it's, some of it's just biological. But, but the other thing is that and Tom was the first guy to to ever ever use this term to talk about having a romantic relationship with his children you know, like <laughs> like Tom and his and I'm not giving anything away Tom and his daughter will go to New York and just to see musicals oh. or him yeah. and his son will go that's tremendous um, but I, I remember saying that using that expression you know, when Amy was right. playing soccer and I'd say to one of the mothers yeah Amy and I just had the most romantic trip to New York and she was like Amy was eight, and they're like, "Whoa, yeah, whoa!" It's like, no, romantic. That's yes, you know, you, everything is just right. beautiful and richer. Colors are more vivid. It was novel. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, I, romantic's a great my, word. My, it is a great word. You, you didn't mean se- people no, think sexual. No. And my, my, <laughs> I have to clarify. Thank I you. Guess, what if you were like, no, it was sexual. <laughs> <laughs> the the until closest the- experience I ever had like that was, you know, I'm allergic. To bees, and I'm also terrified of, of uh, any kind of insect that flies and stings. Hmm. And my daughter Julia, when she was about six, had a wasp on her blouse. And because I love her so much, 
I just punched her so hard. Uh, in the wasp. In the, I got her in the wasp. <laughs> but she had no idea what was going on. There's got to be a joke here about, like, you've always wanted to punch a wasp. <laughs> well, there's no, there's no real tag or anything Missed like that. opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Not the first time I punched a wasp. That's but, your um, tag. <laughs> and then I also let go of her hand crossing the street once. <laughs> But you're saying that that is a that is beautiful. I know it's a joke, but like at the same time, I don't know that feeling. I'm I'm afraid of that feeling. I I've said this on the show. I'm not afraid of that feeling. I'm afraid of lacking that feeling. I'm with my girlfriend, and she's like, I want to. I said this before. I'm so sorry, but I want to say it to you guys. I'm on on the road with my girlfriend at the time, and she was like a gorgeous, uh, kind of like a curvy woman. And we wanted to go to she. She always wanted to do things that I never would have wanted right. to do. Like let's go. Like we're, we're driving to buttfuck in between. I don't know what we were doing. And she's like, let's go to the dive bar. I'm like, no fucking way. Because we go in the dive bar, and my fantasy, my neurotic brain goes, we go in. There's a biker gang. The biker gang's like, we're gonna we're gonna take your girl. Right. And kill, and kill you or take your girl and you can leave. That's what right. my brain does. Mm-hmm. And then I go, I'm afraid I'll leave. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, I, like I, I don't even like saying that now. It's kind of funny and probably – Just let me know when you're done. <laughs> but that, that – see, yeah. that's that – you want to have that wasp love, but right. maybe you don't get it until – Either you meet the right woman. I hope that's how I feel. God, I'm so uncomfortable well, right now. You know, <laughs> I think both. Because I want to go on the record and say I'm not going to let the biker gang take the, take no, the girl. You wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. No. There's no fucking yeah. way. I think both Tom and I. But have... as I'm dying, I'll go, this is yeah. stupid. <laughs> I sh- we should have gone to Applebee's. There's no gangs. Yeah. And also, I, I don't know if this thing was going to last. Then. <laughs> I, think, I, think... I think she was cheating on me as they're stabbing me. Please, Jonathan, you tried to say, say that, several things. That, um, I've had, and this is again going to sound sexual, <laughs> but I have had a physical yearning for my daughters, just wanting to hold them. You mm. know? I don't think that's sexual. Yeah. In fact, more yeah. and more and more talking about, uh, I don't, is it autism? I don't know if it's autism, but they're talking about a lot of social disorders like Asperger's. It's not Asperger's. That's that's genetic. It's a, but it's well, on the same. Spectrum. It's on the same spectrum. Yeah. Okay, so I think you know what I'm getting at. They're talking about how being held and stuff. There's all this like touch therapy. Right. All these Russian orphans that are growing up with the same social disorders yeah. because none of them were held right. because all they could do was be fed and they would cry and they wouldn't be tended to, and then that affects them later in life. So your d- desire to that that that's perfect. Asperger's is the only disease that makes me both horny and hungry. <laughs> and, I'm sorry, one too many? No. I want an Asperger so bad. If there was a restaurant that served burgers on ladies' asses. That's a great name for a restaurant. Asperger's. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Asperger's. Oh, my God. I've heard Asperger's, uh, I mean, that whole spectrum described as male on one end and female on the other by, a you know, like an evolutionary biologist and saying males – were at this, you know, pointing their eyes and saying, "You'd go over there, and you go over there," yes. and females were talking and and sharing relationships, right? And that's that's all it means. Someone's super male. Super, yeah. Oh, not. that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, it just it just makes them one way or the other. Yeah. Hey, Peter, have you ever heard the expression, uh, "Jonathan peanut bladder cats"? Uh, you're not the first that oh. that's needed to <laughs> urinate during this show. Oh, is there uh, is there a restroom on this level? Yeah, there it. isn't. Which sucks. Okay. A cup right so here. maybe. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, this is a trick. There's Look no bottom. There's no bottom to that uh, cup. Heat rep 45. 
We are at 145, oh, but we done. haven't talked about God yet. Yeah. We could... We've talked around him. We can take a break. Take a yeah, break, a few break. What if I go downstairs and you guys keep talking? Oh, oh well... No, we'll wait for you. That is... That, that's... Yeah, we could do okay. either. Either. So what were we, where were we? We were... You were godding it. We were about to... We can always god it. I, I have no problem getting people into God, but were we done on kids' love outside of ourselves? Good thing to do. You're talking about having... Uh, well, I, I this is interesting because we were talking about biology. Yes, the chemical, chemicals, yeah. <laughs> chemical. But I have an adopted daughter. Yeah, who is as close to me as anyone I've ever met. I'm very happy to hear yeah. that because, as I was saying, there's a smell of your kids and all that right. sort of stuff. I was like, "Am I cheapening adoption?" Have you seen the movie Orphan by any chance? As a horror movie, I wouldn't expect you to see it. No, it's basically the whole. I actually rather liked it when I saw it, but the whole movie is basically a horror movie of like, "Don't adopt people because like they're they'll not yours." Because you. there's that weird something underneath. Right. They, they'll kill you. Basically, right. there's something weird and and uh, simple minded about like you couldn't love an adopted child. Well, there which, are people, there are obviously people not are true. very ignorant about it. Yes. Um. I when I was doing Raising Dad for WB, yeah, there was a show on on the lot called uh, the working title was well the actual title was maybe I'm Ado- maybe I'm adopted, mm-hmm. and I along with Rosie O'Donnell and a couple of other adopted adoptive parents got them to change the title. Really? Yep. Because so she's adopted children and uh, right. and, you and, have- and many many of my friends have. Interesting. Yeah. No, no adoption jokes with John. Except I've, one. I've, Except one. John lets me tell one, but there was Gabe Kaplan. That's fantastic. But oh, I'm thinking of the Ronnie Shakes one. Oh, what are these? I've never heard an adoption oh, joke. Oh, well, the one I like and is um, Ronnie Shakes is a comedian who is my hero who died many years ago, jogging. He, he died. died jogging. Yeah, <laughs> and his dying words were, "Do my act." Uh, was, is that true? No. I mean, he did j- die jogging, but he didn't say do my act. But his joke is, uh, I asked my parents if I was adopted, and they said yes, but they returned you. That is a perfect joke. Yeah. All of Ronnie Shakes. Are you familiar with this? No. Guy? It's... It's a Ronnie Shakes. I'll do just I've never heard of like one. I'll do two more. Please, <laughs> they, what? They I love me, perfect jokes. They threw me in jail on some trumped-up charge. They said I was allowed one phone call. Nobody called. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> that that's laser accurate. That's what we call that. You got another? I blew five thousand bucks on a reincarnation seminar. I forget what the hell. You only live once. <laughs> Is great. great Those are great jokes. You could load them into a computer, but the computer would laugh. You know what I mean? There's something that's like a joke would be detected, but the computer (laughs) itself would laugh. What were you going to say? Gabe Kaplan. Do you you remember Tim? Welcome back, Carter, right? Uh, Yeah, yes. I believe I'm picturing the right guy. Did I say welcome back, Goddard? No, Carter. Okay. Welcome but back. he had a joke. He said, "Welcome back, Cutter." The sad his show. brothers always told him he was adopted, and it drove him nuts. So finally, he went to his dad and said, "Ling Chow." Ah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's reminding me. I, I'm remembering a joke from a movie where it's like, I, I, I wonder if they stole it from like Rodney or something. It was like, I could tell my parents didn't want me. They used to take me to orphanages and tell me to mingle, <laughs> which isn't that funny. <laughs> I saw that in a movie about stand-up, so I don't know who wrote that. Are we going to get in trouble with Susie? 
Yeah. <sighs> um, is, is that's my wife. Your, oh, your but, wife. Um, <laughs> there's a guy that was, is a comedian named Teddy Bergeron who did this joke. I don't know why I'm thinking of it. He said, I, I went to a bar. I met this woman. Um, and she said, my place or yours. And he said, hey, look, if it's going to be a hassle, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> These are perfect jokes. Yeah. Is that another Shakes joke? Yeah, that's a guy named Teddy Bergeron. Oh, you just said that. Yeah. yeah. It's a Boston comic. That's so funny. Yeah. That is so, so funny. I, John, you, you are all about the perfect joke. You truly are. I love yeah. efficient Yes. Yeah. Look, can Rita, I tell you? Rita Rudner writes great jokes. Is that right? Yeah. It was one of your faves. Can you think of one? I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Um, can I tell you one of the funniest openers sure. I've ever heard? And I've said this on the show before, and I think sure. it's fantastic. And forgive me, I can't remember the guy's name. I'm sorry. Uh-oh. It's not my joke. But he goes, I don't know if you can tell by looking at my hair, but it's windy outside. <laughs> but he's he mm-hmm. just said, like, it's such a great, there's no good way to open. Yeah. But he goes, like, and his hair is ridiculous. And he right. goes, I don't know if you can tell by looking at me, but uh, it's windy outside. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. So funny. So great. Sometimes I look at myself in the mirror first thing in the morning, and I look like all three stooges. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's not a joke. That's just the way my hair is. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I heard an open micer do this line. Uh, again, sorry, all mine are uncredited. I have two open micer jokes that I wanted to steal immediately and regret not offering to. I don't do that, but like buy right. the joke. One was uh, you ever see a kid so fat he looks like he has a job? It's one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever heard in my life. It was in an open mic. It That's was like an Andy Kindler non joke, though. Yeah, it right? doesn't make any sense. Not, not Andy Kindler. Uh, who's the guy? Uh, who does the non-jokes? Uh, Fred Stoller. Uh, or Ron Lynch does. Fred Stoller invents yeah. these jokes like, we were so poor we had to buy a blue car. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But the fat job one makes sense to me because I've seen little fat kids that look like little middle-aged men because they're so filled out. Oh, I see. You know I, see I didn't get the joke. That's fine. But when you see a fat kid that looks like he works at H&R Block, you're going to laugh a second time. Okay. <laughs> the other one was, so I just found a time machine next week. Which is just kind of like another that's one of those, like, joke. that's a great joke. It doesn't make, I call that a Futurama joke. It doesn't make you laugh, but you're like, oh, perfect, that's perfect. And my, my dad built a time machine that traveled into the future, but it was only 24 hours a day. <laughs> real time, that's very funny. I also heard, again, an open mic, or this is when I was at open mics, I would remember, the, the good jokes like shown, you know, they really stood out. Right. This girl goes... I just talked to my parents on the phone because I don't have caller ID. And I was like, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. And that was like back when caller ID was still pretty new. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Jesus Christ, you just get mad in a good way. Like it, it, it lights my fire. <laughs> I'm going to get excited. So I'm glad, I'm glad we have that, uh, have that in common. I know you guys have another thing to go to, but every episode does end with a discussion of, uh, of religion, which we have talked to quite a bit. Right. But I'm wondering, uh, John, were you raised... Uh, Jewish? Were your parents religiously Jewish? No, my parents were communists. Is that true? Yeah. Wow, so, that couldn't have been popular. All right. Well, I mean, they were communists, but um, if I did something really bad when I was a little kid, instead of punishing me, they would just talk to the McCarthy hearings about me. <laughs> oh, there's a funnier version of that. You know what's funny? Oh no, my my, my no, my, that is funny. Oh. 
My parents were communists, and my dad was a communist. He left me everything. <laughs> so your parents really were communists. Yeah. Which to me is like is like a cartoon character. You might as well be like my parents. It just means they, it just means they were they believed in the labor movement. Boogie. Yeah, 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 the labor movement. I'm just picturing you know beards and Tetris. That's all I got. No, they were just activists and right rooted for the underdog. Yes. So, but also, forgive me if I'm wrong. Communism also was big into atheism, right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, no God sort of stuff. Right. So that you were raised an atheist, right? That's interesting. And you remain an atheist. Yes. And but you said n- not. I'm with you. You can be an atheist and consider yourself spiritual or right. in touch with that kind of warm feeling of being human. But there's no, there's no like afterlife or necessarily no. a need other than morality's own sake to be moral. No, I think I think the afterlife is. Um, I know we're know. being shipped to another yeah. comic book <laughs> shop right now. <laughs> no, I don't believe in the afterlife. Can I, this is one of my weird points. An afterlife makes as little sense as this life does. That's 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 a that's a Pete Holmes dumb thought original. I agree with you that an afterlife is preposterous, but we're here, and this is preposterous. You know what I'm saying? Does that do anything? It's for unlikely. You? Yes, it's very unlikely that we're all sitting in this room together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Considering how big the universe is and how old it is. Right. So, is your point? It's no more unlikely that there's an afterlife than. This yeah. life. Life makes as, as little sense as afterlife. So why not believe in an afterlife? So I've, I've done, in my happy, wanting something to be real yeah. way, created kind of an inarguable doofus theory where I'm like, life doesn't make sense, therefore... I could also say unicorns don't uh, yeah. make as much sense guess, as life. Yeah. But it comforts me. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the search for comfort. I'm on the right. search to minimize my anxiety, and I'm not smart enough to... to uh, in fact, atheists... Turn me on. I, passion turns me on. Decisiveness turns me on. People that have opinions on what happens turns me on. I just uh, so like atheism doesn't offend me. Right. Uh, it, it actually excites me. It's interesting to me. But I'm also what's that? Well, it's uh, you mentioned earlier talking to a therapist. Yes, and uh, it's almost like you don't need to be talking to a therapist, but you need to be talking to an existentialist, you know, in a way. So, someone who can, because, you know, when you say something is an existential thought, it means it's it's really about all existence, and it's not really just right. about you. Help me understand what you mean by that. I, I, I know the word existentialism, but I'm not, I wouldn't. Well, I missed a lot of recently it's been used a lot politically, you know, like Israel is saying, you know, if Iran, if Iran has the bomb, it's an ex- existential problem for Israel. Um, See, I don't know what that means. I'd love to pretend like it's I like do and sound just ultimate—the uh, ultimate question of existence. Okay. Um, so it sort of transcends a whole lot of, um, uh, you know, shorthands for God and all that stuff. It's like, what does it mean that life has no meaning? If life has no meaning, that's right. That's that sort of Sartre and Camus and all, and Woody Allen too. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's really into that. So that's existentialism. That's existential. Well, if yeah, I'm, I'm probably giving just a terrible shorthand for it, but I, I do remember a therapist saying to me, "Tom, sounds like you have an existential problem." And I remember asking him, "So who do you talk to? Yeah, an existentialist?" Because they're they were all just horrible people. <laughs> but is that who I need to talk to? Uh, well, I don't know. But is there a documentary about it? it? Tra- <laughs> I mean, do you trust your therapist to have these? Uh, it's just a paid person to talk with you about. What anyone could talk with you about. You mean my therapist? Yeah. 
Uh, I, I trust my therapist very, very deeply. He happens to actually mirror my, my own uh, vague. And you know what's weird about my spiritual beliefs now is they would deeply offend 22-year-old me. 22-year-old me would want to punch me in the face. Uh, just because of, of how meandering and bullshitty sounding they are. But I'm the kind of guy that will tell you something about like how I believe our, our, our consciousness lives past our bodies and sort of stuff. I'm also right there with you when you say it's over when it's over. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that sounds about right. But if you want to talk to me, if you want to smoke some opium, or <laughs> I've never smoked opium, but I'm just yeah. saying, if you want to sit around, I'm game. I, it's like pornography a little bit, I guess. It's, it's a little bit of a fantasy, but I enjoy it. And, and something inside of me... And I do think that actually might be chemical uh, resonates when I go like, I live past me. I'm not my body. I'm I'm experiencing this world and the best I can, but I think I'm trapped inside this cage. It's numinous. What does that mean? Uh, N u m i n o u s. Look it up okay. after we're gone. N u m i n o u s. Yeah. And if you are going to try a drug, experiment with drugs. I recommend opium because it's the only drug that comes with a den. (laughs) (laughs) You figured the show out completely. We're supposed to have these lofty things and then lob in these wonderful jokes. Um, You know know who's that kind of comedian is Paula Poundstone? She's like a sniper. Yes. It's it's funny that you say that because another thing I say often on the show is I say that it's sharpshooting. I often picture a sniper just laying in the... You've been in writer's rooms, those guys that can do that. Yeah. She did that? P.J. Novak had a great joke about the afterlife, about, I guess it was the, um, whoever does it believes when you die that you go to heaven and you have 500 whores. Yeah. What's in it for the whores? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Something like that, but there was a, a lot of people, version. that that area, that right. idea, uh, that's Islamic heaven or, or one right. interpretation right. of it. The ninety nine virgins, and it's like virgins. Oh, virgins! That's right, not whores. I'm sorry, no, whores <laughs> that's backwards. Little, yeah, actually, I, yeah. I like your heaven better. Five hundred whores is b- better than ninety nine virgins any day. <laughs> I'll take five whores yeah. over ninety nine virgins. <laughs> well, I've, I've heard a lot of people do those jokes about like virgins. You know, it's uncomfortable. They don't know what they're doing. At least yeah. you have eternity to yeah. figure it out. That sounds like a. a program version 1.3 <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about what numinous means it's that feeling that you know is it biological or not that that needs wants and responds to that other rightness that you are titillated by and i use that word because you said pornographic and that yeah. reminded me of no it, it is titillating I, and i forget the names of these guys i studied uh, you know like uh, Basically, Jewish philosophers, I think, in this century, mm-hmm. who, I thou, who wrote that? Martin Buber. I thou? Yeah, that's a book. Doesn't that sound sort of like. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Buber, but isn't I, he associated with some religious movement? Or am I, thinking I don't know. The titty movement? <laughs> you know, I haven't read him since uh, college. Oh, no, the, but, uh, there was a. Lutheran with a similar name. But I do remember, I think he was the one who was... It was Martin Luther. Martin Buber. Oh. <laughs> Buber Luther? Yeah. It, well, go ahead. I was done. Are you done? I'm... See, do you know Joseph Campbell at all, the power yes. of myth and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. I think... The power of ethanol? Of, uh, <laughs> I thought that's what you said. Uh, no, the power of myth. Oh. The oh. idea that religion and all, he said. Uh, religion and all these things speak to things that we're not able to articulate. The, yeah. the, the, sort of, the sort of thoughts and feelings that maybe get filtered out when you get to that 
scientific mind level, and we're losing the Spanish poet sort of guy. Uh, the the religious story, the story of Star Wars, that poster right behind you, the hero's journey, all that sort of stuff, right. uh, resonates with us on a deeper deeper level because it's it's dinging a bell in us that we can't talk about. We have our thoughts and we have the things that we can articulate, and somewhere behind that, there's the attic of our brain or, or our soul right. that's saying like, no, we know there's more. That's that deep structure that may be based on narrative. You know, in, in other words, if you get behind language. Yeah, and you get behind words and all that stuff. Maybe the deepest grammar there is the uh, once upon a time, the beginning, middle, and yes, end. Yes, and I think that's why that's that uh, is why I'm pointing to Star Wars. Yes. Yeah, that's why if everyone we know dies except two babies, I think in, in uh, 500 years we got the Bible again. What was the joke about if Adam, no, if Eve? No. Well, you just asked me this when yesterday. You live. Adam was gay. <laughs> ah. But, but no, what you if he just wasn't so, attracted to women? Oh, yeah. You know who would be so pissed off if she overheard this conversation? Who? That woman in Newton, that mean, uh, retarded to say. <laughs> what? Uh, just because she's so mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah. And this time I go, handicapped. <laughs> this time I call you out on it. Because we've grown as yeah. people. Well, what, what is the, it's uh, intellectually challenged. Yeah. Right. Even that sounds. I think retired might be preferable to intellectually yeah. chilling. My well, my that wife gets so pissed. <laughs> retarded, but that's a joke because if you're from Boston, you could say retarded. It's a it's a whole other word yeah, that, on that cause. Invented that word. He did retard. Everybody's retard. Yeah. What are you a retard? Yeah, I'm retarded. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to say, uh, so all that stuff, I guess, myth, Jesus, redemption, Buddha, enlightenment. All of that, Krishna, Muhammad, all of it, is just anxiety reduction. It's just a deep need to not face the existential crisis that is just it's nothing. A, whatever makes you comfortable, I think. Or it's, a, or it's an instinct, potentially. No. To keep us alive? No, it's just, well, yeah, in other words, it uh, selects for survival in some way. Right. It used to. People who have a leaning towards some sort of eternal thinking probably want to survive more than the others. Well, that, that was, that's a question. You know, there must be some reason that everybody does it. I mean, there's no culture that doesn't have... I mean, I think this atheism thing is pretty new. Yeah. You know, it is new, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, it's like the movie, and I don't want to call religion... Here I am representing belief, I suppose. The movie Id- Idiocracy, where all the... Reli- religiosity? Bill Maher's movie? No, it's Idiocracy. It's, oh. a, it's a comedy written by uh, Mike Judge, which is about how intellectual people never breed, but like uh, s- s- less educated people in that movie, they're definitely morons because it's, it's a, you know, it's a parable. Uh, they all breed, so in the future there are no intellectuals. Mm-hmm. So it's all just knuckleheads. And why don't we breed the intellectuals? Because the intellectuals are like, we're just waiting for a good time financially, and I just don't know if we're oh, ready to bring another child into this world. And like, before you know it, you just die, uh, you know, married and childless. But then like, knuckleheads are just banging, you know, teenagers and making babies, making babies, and all that sort of stuff, which is, I guess, fine. But they're saying he's hypothesi- uh, hypothesizing a world where everybody's a doofus. Is it animated? It's not. I wonder if it would have done better if it had been. Uh, we could do that. Do you want to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Do we animate it? <laughs> you just heard the theft of a great idea. Yeah. That's all John and I know how to do anyway. Well, that's, you know, if you're not stealing, you're not being ambitious enough. <laughs> no, I meant animate, not steal. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know how to tie this up, but it, I, I, I'm getting a good sense of where you're at, and I'm not sure. Maybe it is an instinct. Maybe. Well, the whole goddamn thing is theater. That's that's the a, that's a, that's the one thing I can say in a slightly different voice. That's the way you test a microphone. Yeah, the whole goddamn thing is theater. Yeah, it's just me doing an impression of R.V. Bendrit. <laughs> well, then, boy, tie this all together, would you? Wouldn't it be great if I could? Yeah, I wish I could. So sweet. It, it, I never will be able to, and that's yeah. that's what makes religion endlessly interesting to me. Something about rhymes with Holmes. Uh, Edda Saint Vincent wrote poems. What's your middle name? What's that? What's your middle name? Benedict. Well, young... Benedict Garden Gnomes? Well, young <laughs> Peter Benedict. Stay in your homes. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> That's for bad weather, I think. <laughs> what was the first line? Edna St. Vincent wrote, wrote poems. poems. While Peter young Benedict... Peter, while young, young Peter, Peter Benedict... Is Holmes. Is Holmes. Holmes. Is Holmes. He hosts a podcast... Two hours it lasts. And there's, da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no way to wrap up this God part. <laughs> well, how do you normally wrap it up? Uh, well, we wrap it up with a guest saying, keep it crispy. But, oh, oh yeah. and also... <laughs> so uh, there's always an ending. Katie, while you were out, I wrote down a phrase that I'm hoping you edit out. I will not forget. We're going to take that out. But every mention of it just heightens the interest. What's, in what's, the, what's the phrase that you want to mention? Keep it crispy. Oh. Uh, and it actually kind of ties into God. Um, whether or not there is a God, I think atheists... you got to keep it crispy. Am I stepping on your line? I'm sorry. A little bit. Okay. No, but I loved it. It's never happened before, yeah. and it delighted me truly. It's the idea, crispy or whatever, but fuck crispy. I'm just saying we can all agree that being present and being... Uh, alive and aware and challenged and curious and and uh, interested and passionate and all that sort of stuff. That's kind of uh, the idea of keep it crispy. It's a silly right. way of saying that. And whether or not that's through a religious lens or not, like enlightenment, meditation, Buddha being here, being connected to his brothers and loving God, whatever that means, and loving your neighbor, whatever that means, just means uh, religious or not, those are all good ideas, I guess. Yeah. You know, I did who, my my, best. You know who my heroes are in the talking crispy? Crack... <laughs> Pop, crackle, and snap. <laughs> I've they, never... They really... Oh, my God. It's it's so off-putting to hear those names out of the regular order. Pop, crackle, and snap. No, what, how do you say it correctly? Snap, crackle, pop. Snap, right. You said it out of order like they're your friends. Well, well, if you know Pop, he goes first. And also Rice Krispies, they, they did make a version with Dolby, finally. Yeah. With what? <laughs> Dolby. With, with Dolby. Sound reduction. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, so, 1981. <laughs> I, I, this was a wonderful conversation. Thank I'm so, so glad. Much. Thank you for letting Pleasure. me take up so much of your time. And uh, you already said keep it crispy, and I don't want yeah. you to say it because well, it's perfect. Tom, but said. Tom, if you would say, I just want to apologize, uh, or I want you to punch me when we're outside for for being such like a pseudo intellectual blowhard today. No, no this is not, this is a safe place. About it. To, safe place to be that. No, <laughs> no. If it, I mean, look at what we're doing. You're, you, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Neither do I. I'm throwing I in old references from... But nobody... At no point did you claim to know what you're talking oh, about. But I'm the only one here, here who has here's, a pseudo-intellectual here, property lawyer. 
here's another mammoth thing that yeah. I say all the time. I go, we're just three guys talking. It's another oh, Shelley yeah. Le- Le- Machine right. Levine line. Yeah, yeah. He goes, we're just two guys talking. Don't jump out of your manager bag. We're just three guys talking. No point in this podcast is to say, we know what we're saying or whatever. This was just a conversation that happened to happen today. And if you were a little bit, you weren't, by the way, but if you feel that way, that's how people are sometimes. We're talking about lofty things. Right. Your language is going to get, I get grotesque and go on these long wooden things like the one we're in right now. That's what I do and I'm keeping it crispy. Nice. Holy shit. Nice. Oh, this is a free show. <laughs> I want a high five. <laughs> I can't get you. Uh, oh, wow. It was worse so than <laughs> Katie, can Wait. you drop in a sound effect for that? Yeah. I stood up. This was a sincere pleasure. What's the That's name like of the Laura. show again? Did, can you hear that? What was it? Sound like Laura. <laughs> Excitement. Oh, yeah. Excitement bus. Reading. Uh, expo- oh, please. Thank explosion you. Explosion Bus. Yeah, explosionbus.com. Dot com. Or you can go on to YouTube, our channel. Just go to explosionbus.com. It's just John and funny people doing conversational that's stuff that's so cool. That's all you need. Well, thank you. Uh, didn't pay for it. Didn't pay to get in. Numinous. I mean, we learned a lot. This is great. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Nerdist.com.